Welcome back, loony listeners, for another episode of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I'm your first of three hosts, Connor. Rebecca. And I'm your third host, Ray. And this episode, we'll be covering Lemire's Part 2 of Incarnations, Issue 7. Also, we'll be tackling a character spotlight of Stained Glass Scarlet, as well as looking at her introduction in Volume 1 of Issue 14 of Moon Knight. So, grab your issues, sit back, relax, and get your conchu on. Alright, learning listeners, as you heard from the intro, there's now three of us for this episode. That's Three personalities. Mm-hmm. You got Stephen Grant, Jake Lockley, Mark Spector. Which one of us is which? Decide at the end of the episode, I suppose. We won't, we won't reveal that. Yeah. Hang on. We, we got a we got a fourth one as well. We got little. We Larky. do. We got little Larky here. My cat's here. He's he's the Mooner. She's the Mooner. He's Mooner. She's he's the, the Mooner. Yeah. Uh, my own cats and Ray's cats are fighting over which one of them becomes Mister Knight. So. Fair enough. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, they're just beating people up in abandoned warehouses but yes yeah. hello rebecca welcome to the show hello. it's our, our thank final you. Thank you. tease third guest third yeah. Yeah. Third good to be right. here yeah so exciting to have you here rebecca um we've we've been like just chatting the three of us for i don't know so long now online it's um finally good to to actually chat kind of out loud i know from across the world yeah yeah, Rebecca is over in the UK in the Milton Keys, which can be abbreviated to MK, and that's cool. She was destined. <laughs> it's for very show. funny. It took me it took me ages to realise because everyone here calls her MK, um, and certainly everyone who lives here. And uh, I've only been here for three years, so it's taken me a while to get used to. And it was it, I don't know. It took me ages. I was just talking to I think Connor and Ray probably. And I just went, huh? Like where I live is called MK, and I'm talking about <laughs> MK all the time. So. It's kind of nice. Are there any Moonlight fans over there? or? Um, only my sister that I know of. <laughs> no, it's not true. Claire, who does the Defenders podcast, is a, is oh, a yeah. bit of a Moonlight fan. Yeah. And, yeah. Is, she in the, so, is she in the Milton Keys as well? No, no, no. She's London. Oh. Nah. Fancy. Nobody lives in Milton Keys. Oh. Rebecca is the only one. <laughs> Perish the thought. <laughs> Well, Rebecca, so, okay, how a bit did, of a um, joke. Oh, <laughs> getting used to this three Skype business. Rebecca, how did you <laughs> sort of it. get into Moon Knight? What was your big introduction? Uh, my sister's a massive fan, my older sister. Uh, so in the same way as you always kind of half don't want to like anything your siblings like, oh, yeah. but half are influenced by your older siblings, um, eventually I read some Moon Knight. And I liked it and went, oh, what's this stuff that my sister's going on about? And I thought it was great. I mean, so I I don't know exactly when it was because it would probably have been 80s sometime that I would have read some because I'm I'm old. Um, (laughs) So uh, it probably would have been in the 80s. And but yeah, in that kind of sense of I was enjoying it, but I'd never wanted it to become my thing because it was kind of her thing. Mm. Um, And then. And this is going to sound really sort of lame, but um, when Shadowland came around, um, was around when I was sort of getting back into comics. And um, I really loved the Moon Knight tie-in, and it made me kind of go back and look at more Moon Knight stuff when I sort of really got to grips with some of the family stuff and 
um so so i I mean like while it's no one's favorite run uh it was one of the ones that at the time kind of triggered me to go like huh he is more interesting than i remember i'll go back and read some more and just kind of been on it as a kind of secondary love ever since and um and the lemire run i guess kind of just cemented it or kind of brought it back to the fore but um, you collected also the the Ellis runs as well. Yeah, I'm sure, and the yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Warren Ellis that was like, yeah, okay, buying this. Warren Ellis, a character <laughs> I like. Yes. Um, in the same way as I went sort of all in on the Karnak one because I already like the character. Warren Ellis is going to write it, not a problem. And then having Jeff Lemire and, and Greg Smallwood was just sealed the deal. Yeah. Oh yeah, Smallwood, small, Smallwood as goat, yeah. <laughs> Smallwood is is really is goat. Yeah, it it was definitely one of the points in this in last year where I just went, you know, an artist really will sell me on a comic, mm-hmm. <laughs> like where I might have argued against that before and just sort of said, no, I like them together or it has to be a good writer. Now I'm like, I I yeah, there are artists out there that I would buy any comic they did, um, but but watching him develop on Moon Knight was definitely sort of helped me come to that realization yeah yeah i think one of our loonies um his name's daniel uh he has a, a podcast as well geek street podcast uh he's a, a big fan of greg smallwood as well i think he's interviewed him as well yeah um, i seem to remember uh, him saying mm. or i think he even knows I don't, i'm not sure if he's met him a didn't few he say times. he goes to his comic shop yeah they like mm. that's his local comic shop area that's... so what a great kind of resource to have Greg Small just pop in and you <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. But um uh anyway we have uh I guess we have some news, yeah. Well yeah, to <laughs> celebrate your first episode on the pod, we have so little news until once again a Friday morning. <laughs> Friday mornings are good for Moon Knight. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, sort of our um first thing to sort of get the uh to say to get the small stuff out of the way. We got some new photos from Marvel's The Punisher, uh, more mm-hmm. of uh, Frank Castle and his uh, soldier gear. Yeah, it, is he a marine? Pretty... He's a marine, yeah. Of... I know. Yeah, marine. <laughs> in... And I think they're they're gonna have him in Kandahar, aren't they? So. Oh, okay. I, I think that's that. one of the. I think um, they did a, an image with lots of newsprint on it, which oh. people were looking for cute clues on. But I also think yeah. one of the episodes is called Kandahar. So oh, okay. I'm guessing that's where they've kind of updated from Vietnam to Afghanistan, which makes sense. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, apart from a lot of you, you get to see um, you get to see Micro now. I think one of the new characters. There was yeah. a shot of uh, of Ben Barnes as well, who plays mm. uh, eventually Jigsaw, I guess. Yes. Um, and the latest thing actually I heard, uh, I think it was just today. I think um, they said that it's confirmed that we'll be getting the Punisher's um, battle van in the show. So, <laughs> oh yes, I did read that this morning. Yeah. Although, of pretty... course, the, of course, there were previously rumours that that was in whichever uh, Winter Soldier. That's the one that, oh, that stops, really? stops. Yeah, back in the day when Winter Soldier came out, and you know when Nick Fury's stuck in his car, yes, his truck rams into the people that are trying to kill him. There's a lot oh, of rumours wow. that that was um, that was going to be that was Punisher's truck. Um, well, you might as well just say it is, I guess, because yeah. <laughs> it's su- such, such a um, yeah, such a uh, odd 
kind of random thing. Um, I yeah. think it's oh. when people were desperate for any news of Punisher in anything, because that obviously predates him being in Daredevil. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I always thought it was kind of, if that was an Easter egg, it was kind of a cool one. Yeah, that would be that's a very cool one. And now, now we're kind of hankering for for any Easter eggs <laughs> on Moon Knight now. <laughs> so, Every now I just of play count, count the taxi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, the, looking out for a taxi, looking for any dodgy moustaches out there. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's why I mean we included this article in. It's very loosely connected to Moon Knight. But, um, again, it's just small speculation on Moon Knight being tied to Frank's military background. Nothing we haven't heard before. Um, so, very little, but look, it, it's pretty cool to get new photos of the Punisher. Um, um, so, yeah, that was, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, a second one, I actually, I pulled this one just from our Facebook group, um, and it was from the Previews magazine issue, and Tommy from our Facebook group, uh, he just confirmed that the truth is actually male from the, the write-up in the, um, in the article, uh, and... Yeah, I know we were speculating on it before, um, whether it's um, Dr. Emmett at all or, you know, who that woman is in that preview page. Uh, looks like that kind of thing is, is put to bed now um, with her not being the truth. So I guess the question again is who she would be. I mean, she could still be Dr. Emmett. I mean, that doesn't... But I really yeah. like what you said, Rebecca, about the Hebrew Emmett equaling truth. I think that yeah. was just so, yeah. so cool. I mean, how could they not use that? Well, I'd be very surprised. I mean, Max Bemis was brought up in a Jewish household, I think is how he refers to it. I think his mum's Jewish. Um, So it would be surprising for it not to be some sort of correlation, but it could be any. I mean, it just could be a Mm. nice little Easter egg as well. I mean, like, you know, at the moment we're clinging on to anything that could reveal anything. But, I mean, we're not far away from it now. Hmm. Well, well, uh, Mark from our Facebook group as well commented on that, and he had a theory that it was the blogger. And I'm looking at my copy of um, the Wood um, mm-hmm. Wood Run in Moon Knight, and it's pretty hard to. I mean, I'm just looking through. It's pretty hard to find her, but she's in um, the uh, Diaspora um, issue, mm-hmm. uh, and she definitely looks like Doctor Emmett's, um, but her role is very small, so she really could be anyone. You know, well, she could. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I like that pickup from Mark. So um, no, I did as well. I thought that was mm. a nice. Yeah. Hmm. So um, yeah. So well, anyway, the truth. We we'll still have to wait and see. You know who he is. Uh, lenticular covers, Rebecca. Have you had any luck? Um, you know how retailers are finding them hard to to oh, get. No. Um, why did you? Do you want one? <laughs> are you having problems? <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, yeah. Just, I just meant are you having problems with um. Um, I no. I can order I tend to order from Forbidden Planet when I want things like that yeah. and they're like one of the biggest retailers in the UK so they tend to get oh, okay. most of the covers they get those kind of ones they don't tend to get the one in 50s and the one in 100 ones yeah. but if it's a you have to order X number of a comic mm-hmm. to get them it, um, yeah they've certainly got all the lenticulars up I doubt oh, wow, that okay. the other the, the comic shop I use for more, most of my stuff is a much smaller one and I don't yeah. think they do them and a lot of the shops that I spoke to in London about local comic shop day in November had said they weren't that keen on it because um, mm. of the whole variant market mm. yeah. so yeah. I, th- I think some of the sheens going off on the variant market I thought you were <laughs> gonna I thought you were gonna ask me about my feeling about lenticular covers after I made a wild announcement last week that they hurt my eyes and give me a <laughs> <laughs> Um <laughs> 
The war on lenticular covers starts them. now. Yeah, no, no, I just, I just won't be, I'm, I've not really looked into it because when I discovered this, I was, I've already discounted all lenticular covers mm, from like being okay. in my collection. Yeah. So, well, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I think they are going to be difficult for people to find, more difficult than previously. Because I, I think, I think, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not, we're, no, we're not going into Marvel marketing things, but it is tough for shops to be able to, to balance what, what they can actually sell. Definitely, from what I hear, and, and from what Marvel or what they're demanding, um, it does make it very hard for them. Uh, Connor, have you had any luck? Have you? Are you um, planning on getting them? Or yeah, well, I'm um, I'm hoping to, but uh, I think I'll, I'll probably just stick with the main character uh, cover. Well, uh, you know, the start of a new run. You got a Burroughs and Art kind of want to just just frame that nice boy. Although I do like that with the Horus. Oh, I'm a big fan of the. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a bit of fun. I like the and, puppy, yeah. yeah. And I touched base with Jim from King's Comics, which is uh, the local Sydney comic shop. Uh, and he said, uh, yeah, it will be a bit hard, but, um, you know, having known known us, you know, and the podcast with Moon Knight, he's going to try to set it aside if he can, if they do get it in, so that will be good. But, um, yeah, look, if it comes, it comes. And if it doesn't, then, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too fussed. Um, although I do like the other variant covers as well. I'm not yeah. much of a variant collector but i think with moon knight hey why not eh? <laughs> yeah i mean we've we've all got our characters we would or wouldn't do it for and as i was going through my comic collection just recently the number of doubles i have <laughs> are ridiculous so yeah. uh yeah yeah you kind of look back on it going oh was it really that necessary like when it yeah. was all in front of you but um you kind of get that um spur of the moment when you know when things are released and it's kind of all exciting but you yeah. do and you're just like ah oh, it's only a few quid and then you're like i mm. don't need two of these like no. and and it certainly makes it easier as well like with the likes of say moon knight and and like iron fist when their universes are pretty much insular like yeah um i, I know you're a big uh iron man fan and captain america but yeah i, I imagine yeah <laughs> i imagine with those you, you'd have to then you you know, you feel obliged to get this thing and that thing as well because I, you big. know, I I don't even play that game with those characters. They're mm. far too big. Um, mm. Like it, it's like uh, I'll get selected Captain America runs yeah. if, as and when I want to. And I'm saying to Connor, um, previously I've bought most Iron Man stuff in trade, but this is yeah. Legacy is the first time I'll actually be ordering a monthly Iron Man title. Ah, nice. Ooh. Because so, even even with the excellent ones we've had recently, I haven't mm. bought them in floppies. I've bought them in yeah, trade. Yeah, you're saying that the Invincible Iron Man is really, really good, right? Well, Invincible, definitely up to Riri, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Which, and I, I like Riri, so I have no problem. I'd say the whole of Invincible, but some people who don't want to read about Riri, the run that goes up till then is good. But um, Infamous is amazing. Oh, infamous. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, that's, 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 that's one with um, Doctor Doom as Iron Read Man. Read a whole one issue, but it was very good. Yeah, and the <laughs> and the run before that that led into that was International, which was also very good. So, oh, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. mind getting those in single issues if and when I can. But I've got them as trades. So, ah, that's beautiful. The hunt continues for the singles. Yeah, yeah it's always fun to because you can pick them off like one one bit at a time. Yeah, um, but that's why I end up getting doubles because I don't yeah. make lists. 
<laughs> and just walk Fair into enough. shops and go, do I like that cover? I'll buy it. And then come back and go, oh, I like that cover last time I saw it as well. What a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cover art is great. I mean, like, you know, yeah. a lot of people, um, I think the guy who runs um, Moon Knight Life, he um, basically started collecting Moon Knight because of the covers. so um, They do have some beautiful can... covers, Moon Knight. He gets some nice atmospheric ones. Yeah, he's very lucky. Very yeah. Lucky character. Uh, thank you to Moon um, Knight Life as well for giving us a big old shout-out on the Instagram and getting us oh, yeah. new listeners. And um, Craig Rune, I think that's how you say his mm. name. Great artist. He drew a nice, That was uh, amazing. Amazing Moon Knight picture that? and gave us a shout-out as well. So big love to you two. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of, yeah, sharing the love because, um, geez, those guys, uh, Moon Knight Life, and all, they've been around for a while and uh, they've been burning the torch, you know, for Moon Knight for a long time now. So, um, you know, as Connor said on Instagram, we're kind of just new around the scene, but, you know, um, it's really full credit to them for, for all their kind of dedication. Um, third, well, the third bit of news that we have, I guess, um, that came from you, Rebecca, right? You said it came from a leaked kind of source? Yes, basically Previews World, by accident, last Wednesday, put up the full December solicit catalogue. And when they realised, quickly whipped it offline as various sort of news sites were like, look at this new comic Marvel's doing and look at this one. So, um, and someone on Reddit copied them, the DC and the Marvel mm-hmm. ones anyway. I've not, I've not really gone to look at the other ones. So, um... I shared with you the Moon Knight one for Moon Knight 190, December. Yeah, part three. Um, which is, yeah, Crazy Runs in the Family, part three, because it's not very spoilery. Like, I'm very, I'm quite good about these things. Like, obviously, me and friends went off and, like, shouted excitedly about other comics um, <laughs> and, and mumbled about spoilers in other things. But the Moon Knight one's pretty straightforward. It's just Moon Knight and the Sun King's orbits are on collision course. Makes sense for part three of a three-parter. Mark's good relationship with his other personalities shown signs of fracturing, and the Sun King reveals his hidden weapon. <laughs> so, all very wonderfully <laughs> vague. <laughs> yeah, although there's actually been a couple of little um, chats on Reddit that are sh- expressing grave concern about his good relationship with his personalities showing signs of fracturing because oh. of how the Lemire run ended. Yeah, a bit I worried that I I think it's par for the course when someone takes on Moon Knight that um, you're going to want to explore his other personalities and yeah. showing signs of fracturing doesn't mean they will fracture. Yeah, it's definitely like I definitely had that sort of a scare as well, but it's it'll definitely sort of be like the you know the solicitations trying to hype it up. It'll it, it'll probably be resolved before the end of that arc. <laughs> But it's also uh, it's also one of the one of the gifts of the the last run of Moon Knight, but also the problems with it. Yeah, is it's such a perfect arc that really I think we've we've talked about it before about like whether they could bring in legacy Moon Knight. But like it's such a perfect arc that you kind of what could come next. I mean, it, it, it it's a very difficult because it's it's almost standalone and it standouts. You know, it's it's hard because it it doesn't take him on the superhero thing at all. It is literally all about the sort of internal stuff, and um, I think it would be. I mean, I can't imagine as a writer taking him on without not wanting to explore that mm. side. So, 
Yeah, and it's and it's solicit language, and we have no idea. I've liked everything Bemis has written before, so, and we're we're gonna read it anyway. Let's <laughs> exactly, you know. exactly, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, Bemis's full killer is really cool. I'm just waiting for issue five on on Marvel oh. Unlimited, um, but I've loved the first four. Um, I'm glad you've got, yeah. I'm glad you've read four now because that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good, <laughs> is a good one. Um, but just going back to that that point about the signs of fracturing, look, I think that's just purely, I think as you touched upon, a, a, like a marketing tool. It's like, okay, we everyone lo- knows the last run was great. You know, let's chuck this in, and and um, you know, it, it's it's kind of like a selling point, isn't it? So, um, yeah, uh, it's 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 all pretty vague anyway. I mean, what the hell? It's is... also something you can probably always say every issue about me yeah. without spoiling anything. Yeah. I think so. Um, I think really... sort of how that uh, it's it does sort of continue in a way something from Lemire. I really liked that the personalities were so distinct. I will, I think it will positively keep that way that the personalities in Lemire's run, especially nearing the end, sort of always conversed as if they were like four people sitting at a table inside yeah. his own head. So I think that's something positive to take away from that. I think. Uh, Bemis will write very well. Yeah, I've got uh, yeah, nothing to add on that. It, it's oh, just... I guess the other thing is there's only one issue in December, so it does imply that the double yes. is only for November. That's, that's again, Connor. Very good. Connor the Wizard. He uh, he he's kind of you know, you know you're a Nostradamus with that. You, didn't Which... you pick it was going to be a bi a bi monthly and then just going to yeah. go into a monthly? So yeah, I mean... but only because Rebecca talked about it. <laughs> Ah oh, okay. <laughs> ah, so you reveal your source. No, yes. they did it. They did it. They did it for Iron Fist. But bizarrely, yeah. Doctor Strange yeah. is doing it the other way around. Oh, so Doctor oh. Strange has one issue in November, and then two in December. I was only looking because I'm looking at how I can cut down my comic. Ah, uh, uh, damn, two issues. So, uh, yeah. the so, old comic book. The old comic book cull. Yes. Yeah, that time it's of not year working again. well. <laughs> No, and after T-Bub, I'm sure it's going to potentially grow uh, again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose um, just to bring up a point, I I, I like the idea with um, Horace, uh, the the uh, Sun King sort of possibly being who this is, being, um, being in the lenticular cover, actually, and it sort of brings an interesting point of how that's sort, sort of going to wrap in, because if it is Horace, he was a... In um, Egyptian mythology, was actually you know sort of a partner in crime to Conchu, and they were, and Conchu I think was even his protector. You know, Horus had, I think it was like the sun disc, and um, Conchu has the moon disc, so they were sort of, you know, buddy buddies. So this, uh, yeah, interesting. If this uh, sun king is Horus, as we see being, you know, most likely, you know, whether how we see their relations crumble. Which would make sense because Conchu's kind of a dick. I can't imagine you wanting to hang around with yeah. him, especially ever moon. <laughs> no, I certainly wouldn't. Yeah, he's definitely very unlikable. But <laughs> so you're, you're, you're saying <laughs> you're saying kind of almost like a like a Loki and like a, say Horace and Horace and Conchu is kind of like a Loki and Thor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not particularly brothers, but just kind of maybe a, a bit of a friendly rivalry or something. Yeah. Well. Probably less friendly in this run because it seems like Sun yeah. King's using the truth, the law of buildings to reveal Moon Knight. But yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to think you know Horace is as terrible a person as Conchu that they're, they're kind of pretty equal in that way. Right. And they have and nice... isn't also 
Sorry? Go on, go on. Uh, I was just about to say, also as well, speaking of like the gods, um, I did the um, like a really rough read-through as well, and, and I think we touched upon it before as well. You know, Bast, um, which is connected to Black Panther, actually. Um, isn't isn't he the Panther God also called Bast as well? Does anyone know? <laughs> oh, don't um, know. I, just... I think... Oh, God, I'm not very good on my... Black Panther. Yeah, I, I'm, there's just... definitely a, there's definitely a connection, and I mm. think he's. I think Bast definitely appears. I think. Well, I say definitely. I have no idea. I think Bast appears <laughs> in that kind of dream world that Black Panther goes off to fight. Yes. Panther God in. Yeah. So I there think definitely a connection. I think. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Bast, a goddess in ancient Egyptian mythology. But I'm just wondering how that kind of translates to yeah, because I'm I'm pretty sure it's Bast in Black Panther. Yeah, no, I just looked it up. You're right. Yeah. Cat goddess, yeah, okay. lady of the east. Yes, cat go. god. Cat god. Yeah. A good god, then. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> well, you know, as good as, you know, cats are. <laughs> yeah. We'll go on their own thing. I would say morally ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's more accurate. Yeah. Um, well... I think that's probably all the news. I mean, it's very light on the news this time, mm. isn't it? Which is a good thing sometimes. Yeah, you can't have you can't have you know bulks of you know news flashes every week, I guess. So um, you know we got we got uh, plenty to look forward to anyway. Um, so with that, actually, we were looking at um, just throwing out a couple of questions to some loonies, um, just to you know kind of get their thoughts on stuff. Uh, we've got a couple of them, and they, they touched upon more of the potential Netflix appearance or, you know, TV appearance in general. Uh, and Adam, one of our um, dedicated loonies, uh, he put out a question, and I um, created a poll for that. And the question reads, in the potential Netflix show, how would you like to see his timeline portrayed? Um, it came... Uh, well, there were a few responses. Um, I think the the most popular one was... Having like an arrow-like um, kind of structure, yes. Yeah, so have Moon Knight already um, established um, and fighting crime, and then you have your your flashbacks to his origin and kind of tease that out. Um, the second most popular um, response was to have a kind of like a weird, um, um, I don't know, vignette-style whacked-out reality with all the personalities. Um, potentially different, um, and, and, you know, just kind of telling Moonlight's story through all four of them. Uh, and then we have, I think it was just a, a straight-out origin. Um, is that right? I haven't got that on. Yeah, that was definitely in there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, there were other ones like, you know, an origin for maybe the first two episodes, and then you get into it. Um, yeah, which, which ones did you guys vote for? Uh, I jumped on the um, sort of the arrow style of having him set up and then flashing back because I think, you know, ask me despite the fact I would have been twelve five years ago um, whether I wanted an origin uh, an origin story. I think I would uh, you would have said yes back then, but you know, there's just been so much, especially from Marvel, that have been origin stories. I think audiences are sort of sick to death of origins now. You know, we kind of do just want you know, our heroes beating up people just straight away. And I, th- I think it works well because he's, he almost does sort of have four, four now basically origins with Lemire, sort of how Lemire set up his childhood, uh, 
him as a mercenary becoming Moon Knight, and then you have the setup for becoming Jake Lockley and Stephen Graham once he returns to civilization. So it's it'd be it'd be something different to juggle up that I I think could be uh, done very nicely over intercut episodes of a Netflix show. Yeah, I think with um with his multiple personalities, um yeah maybe potentially the origin um would be something different anyway. I mean, because I think we were all a little I don't know about you guys. I, we were all a little disappointed when um Kevin Feige said you know no more origin stories, and then the next movie to come out was Doctor Strange, and and yeah. what was it? It was your formulaic origin. Um, I don't know, I just felt, oh, here we go again, and, and had that kind of origin fatigue. But I think with Moon Knight, with the four personalities, uh, it would be quite, it could potentially be done really, really different, um, and, and quite well. Um, I, I, look, I picked the, uh, what did I pick? I think, I, I think I picked the, um, <laughs> the weird timeline reality one. Um, and basically, that kind of leads into the second question that we'll get to later with, with Evan, but, uh, I think you could have a lot of fun with with just four like purely separate personalities and and them potentially meeting up, you know, mid season or or um or just kind of like a Quentin Tarantino. You kind of get some continuity in the background with with them. Oh um, yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's there's the one a I of... that's um the one I picked as well. But then yeah. I kind of thought one of my first thoughts was they could do it a bit like Lost with the flashbacks, flash forwards, flash sideways. But, honestly, I think it would be kind of confusing, and I think it would need somebody with as good a touch as Noah Hawley had with Legion to really pull it off and would get inevitable comparisons to Legion. So, when I was thinking about it the other day, (laughs) think about these things randomly, Yeah, Yeah, I think I I would quite like it to start on Steven. Okay. And and do the kind of, like, uh, actor kind of thing so you've already got that kind of weird show within a show thing and then start bringing in the other personalities as in 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 weird ways there's so still a weird timeline but then but kind of flashbacks well it would definitely be flashbacks to mark i guess flash sideways to jake and and maybe but but you can't things you can't confuse an audience for too long especially not on yeah. netflix yeah um yeah. And and, a new, and, yeah. and none of the Netflix shows have actually gone straight in with an origin, actually. They've all flashed back around episode two or four, started yeah, telling them. Or, or, so actually, yeah, yeah. It, it could just go straight from Mark Spector in as, as, a, as a fighter. I mean, they could do it, and it'd be like totally different for us all. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you're right, film-wise and MCU-wise, we've done it all over again. I, I think I, I just have... I just want them to be able to like have an interesting way of doing it that doesn't confuse people too much, doesn't draw too many comparisons to Batman uh, mm. and um, or to Legion, because that's to me, that's the big that's the big worry about why Moon Knight would have an issue being made right now. It's because in the post Legion TV world, they've they've done it. It did it so well. Is like they've got to try and go up against that. But I mean, there are obviously differences. Legion Legion's situation is is far different to to Mark's. Um, but the TV show has to make that very clear. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking also as well. Um, if if you look at uh, the Punisher as well, how he kind of got like a backdoor intro 
via another series. So, you know, we're, we're all thinking as well, uh, this Punisher sh- show coming up, there might be some Easter egg or some brief cameo by Mark Spector. I mean, that could be enough to set it off. And, and then, yeah, as you say, you go into the, the, well, <laughs> we wish we go into the, the new Moon Knight series and, um, yeah, it kind of builds from, from what he's done, um, in the Punisher show. So, uh, yeah, it, it, like if, as you say, you look at look at Netflix, um, and they they kind of they do kind of gloss over the origin, and they go back to it. So, yeah, maybe that's probably um, how they will tackle it. Yes, I look forward to. It. I, I I do. I still have high hopes it'll happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. True. Everyone seems to be screaming for it, so it's got to happen, right? There's enough, enough voices, so. I think everyone. I think. I think the consensus seems to be unless Marvel decides they want him for a film. And that. Mm. Not sure how I'd Which, feel about that. It, it's, a film, yeah. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Because like we're so used to that the whole Netflix world, and and the it seem and it being a bit darker, so it seeming so it fits kind of well with Moon Knight and Street Level and New York. Everything seems like prime for him. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'd take a film. Oh, definitely. Uh, I think you know you'd you'd end up just feeling feeling you know a little disappointed, but. Uh, just to have him on screen would be just a... And the costume anyway. would probably be better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you I'm might get the costume. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, because I'm thinking otherwise you might get up another... You might get another, was it, Diamondback <laughs> um, oh, kind of scenario where no, you, you at look least, at it At least it was fairly comics faithful. It was just a hideous it costume. Was. <laughs> it, yeah, it was, it was faithful, but it was just like... I don't know. It didn't suit the context, and I, th- yeah, I think the problem is we don't really need them to be faithful to seventies costumes. Yeah, oh, I think that's yeah. I think that's a clue right there. So, uh, um, and the second question from the Facebook was from um, Facebook group was from Evan Goldstein, and this is kind of like a follow up to it. Um, and he said, "Look, if they make a, a Moon Knight movie or TV show, uh, how would you feel if they had different actors play each of his personalities?" Uh, all similar in appearance, but very different acting styles. Uh, that would be a real spin-out. And I think, um, Rebecca, as you as you said, it might confuse a lot of people. Yeah, I think... I think... I, I love the idea conceptually. I just don't think they would get actors that looked enough alike. Mm. Um, and I think they would be more likely to pick ones that didn't look as much alike so they could have different ethnicities possibly even a different gender in there um to you know to sort of update things but as i was saying to you guys off the air i think it would possibly be as controversial as the bendis run on moon Knight. <laughs> it would definitely generate a lot of discussion i reckon um yeah, yeah. Yeah. admittedly mostly from moon Knight fans which is possibly not the audience they're desperately going mm. for mm, yeah true yeah uh, and and we've discussed before as well um look i love how uh i always forget her name um from orphan black the lead actor oh tatiana maslani tatiana Bam. maslani yeah she's absolutely fantastic and what i find really really good and can what be done can can be done with moon knight is uh you have the same actor but when they act so differently yeah, um, it's actually quite disturbing. <laughs> I mean, because uh, they are because they're totally different people, and um, if it, if the actor does it well, it's uh it's quite effective, I think. Yeah, you absolutely forget she's playing. It's different. You you forget mm. it's the same actress. 
Yeah. When you see them all on screen together, and it's got to be tempting to try and do something like that. Hmm. Yeah. And there'll be a, a, a be a juicy part for the actor. I think. I think you would have actors knocking at the door to want to play it. Yeah. Hmm. More yeah. lines to learn. <laughs> and I think, yeah, instead of sort of having that, I'd, I'd love it more to be, you know, what we're seeing in the Lemire run right now that, you know, we have three different artists doing uh, Lockley, uh, Grant, uh, Spectre, Moon Knight. Uh, I'd love to have almost possibly even like four directors on an episode or a director very, you know, very distinctly switching up directing and colouring and uh mise-en-scene styles between every personality. I think that's kind of the way I want to showcase our our jumbled man, our jumbled main character. Oh, that would be really good, take actually. A, they could take a hint from Bloodshot and have an animated one. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Moon squirt. Moon, Moon squirt. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, that's a good idea, Connor. I reckon that would be really, really good. I mean, just taking a leaf out of the... um. Yeah, Frank Avia and uh, Wilfredo Torres and uh, Stoko. I think it'd be great if you have really distinct ac- uh, directors, um, and that you have that as your basis for for style. Because uh, didn't everyone in the Iron Fist uh, Netflix show like the standout? One of the standout one was the RZA um, episode, yeah. wasn't it? Um, and that was distinctly different. I think more like action wise. Um, yeah. from, from the rest of the episode. So yeah, I, I think that can definitely play on that. Sure. Uh, actually, if I could um, add another little question following on from our mm-hmm. Netflix talk. This was quite a bit ago, and I've been waiting to talk about so- sort of questions from this. Uh, on September 5th, on one of our uh, posts on Instagram, a uh, user by the name Dr. Dre says, who's, uh, as you can, uh, if you see his profile, quite a, quite a comic book fan, he, uh, he says, he asked the question of when they, if they did a Netflix show, you would prefer it to base it on Moon Knight Volume 7, the Ellis Wood bun run, kind of like how each issue was a set up one story, move on to the next. Would you guys would you guys prefer that or sort of have that cut into your into your Moon Knight um, Netflix show? I think that that's that's a great idea, I think. If you if you you so you're saying like just one shots each episode? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Something different and um uh well I don't know how Netflix would feel about that because they they'd kind of want everyone to to watch it all right and with that there's a potential of you know oh that's great and that's it uh, <laughs> uh, unless unless it was really good and you know I don't know I don't know that, that's what I that's what I think but I think that could work really well um, because then everything's fresh like the new episode it's all fresh right but the problem is that you'd have to still introduce Moon Knight. Uh, in, to the audience, like to the non-fans, um, so that would be mm. pretty hard to do with the one-shots. Mm. Yeah, I think my preferred would be a mix of both. You know, we have the one-shot episodes, and then maybe a three-episode or four-episode arc, every sort of spliced in. Yeah, I think that would that would work for me. I, th- I think uh, Connor as well got to mention that issue five if they do a sh- uh, an episode of that that will be bloody good <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh it's yeah it's really good oh, i i reread it the other day it's just yeah it's really cool <laughs> anyway just fanboying that <laughs> um yeah so shall we shall we head to our reviews I think that's yeah. an amazing idea okay <laughs> 
so um, what we have here, Looney listeners, we have, as usual, we have our reviews. Um, uh, pairing back from what we did last week, which was a, a panel by panel uh, analysis of the first issue, we're going back to our usual structure. So we'll uh, we'll start off with the bare bones, which is basically like a synopsis of the the comic book. Uh, then each of us will have our main aspects um, to the comic book, which uh, basically the main points are what impressed us the most or the least, uh, and round it off with our Crescent Dart ratings. So, um, Connor, if you don't mind, I'll. Uh, do, you want to, right. do you want me to read out the details? Uh, so we have uh, Moon Knight, Volume 8, Issue 7, Incarnations, Part 2 or 4, and this was released on the 12th of October, 2016, and the super team of uh, Jeff Lemire writing, uh, Francesco Francavia and James Stoko on pencils, uh, and also Francesco Francavia and James Stoko on colours, uh, we have Corey Petit on letters, and uh, no sign of Greg Smallwood bar the cover. So, or Wilfredo uh, Torres, absent from this no, issue. Not... Yep. Yeah, so... yeah. So it's pretty much just a dynamic duo of, of artists taking taking carriage of this story. Um, and Rebecca, we have the bare bones. Yes, I'll give you that. Mark, Spectre and Frenchie find themselves in the midst of an all-out intergalactic war with the Space Wolves. Earth has completely fallen, and so the remaining humans who fled to the moon make one last stand against the wolf onslaught. During the battle, Mark and Frenchie spot General Lupinar, the leader of the Space Wolves, and decide to engage. In the ensuing battle, the Space Wolves' command ship appears, and as Mark focuses attention on General Lupinar, he's struck by a jarring otherworldly sensation. For a brief second, he assumes the role of Jake Lockley, and confused, both Mark and his Jake persona are confronted with a collision of sorts. The Moon Knight One jet crashes onto the surface of the moon, and as Mark gingerly staggers out, they're not without casualty. Frenchie is dead, but what's more perplexing is that the moon jet is now a taxicab. Instantaneously, Mark becomes Jake again, and as he still struggles to gain composure after the crash, he spots Gina's diner and makes his way there. Again, Jake becomes Mark, and this time he's on the moon, heading towards the moon base. Suddenly, General Lupinar appears in his fighter jet, and before Mark can stop him, Lupinar crashes into the moon base with the Wolf Command ship close behind. Mark finally gets to the base, spots Lupinar, and the two engage in a savage fight. Mark's heart sinks as the command ship also arrives, offloading an army of space wolves, which easily overcome the defenceless human inhabitants. Mark can only watch as each human is either killed or turned, and Lupinar takes advantage of Mark's distraction, bites him, uh, and intent on turning him into one of the things he hates. As if from a nightmare, Jake promptly awakes and finds himself next to Gina's diner with his taxi cab intact. Convincing himself his hallucinations of space wolves and moon bases are a result of him crashing the cab, Jake wanders inside Gina's diner to gain some respite. Shockingly, Jake is confronted with what looks to be a massacre. Numerous patrons and Gina herself lie dead in a bloodied mess. A shocked Jake can only stare as the police arrive, pointing guns and screaming for Mark to surrender. Boom. Yeah, boom. A massive, uh, a massive issue and a, a quite fun um, with the chopping and changing of uh, Jake and Mark Spector. Yes, quite rapid chopping at times. Mm. So, like, initial thoughts. What, what, did you, what did you think of the, the issue as a whole? Just, yeah, just crazy intense, I guess I'll go. Yeah, I mean... I, I lo- I've sort of loved the Stoko 
big space battles and the, you know, who doesn't love the seedy underbelly with Jake Lockley and just sort of this, you know, real left-term decision to make it just these two artists as they uh, their worlds come head-on was just, you know, crazy. It was a crazy ride. It was just snap, snap, snap. Everything changes, you know. Everything in a story that never consistent everything we know changes by you know the start of this issue midway through the issue and the end of this issue and it was a uh, it's incredibly memorable might even be my favorite so far just putting it out there to start with <laughs> yeah how about you rebecca um i seem to remember this was the part in the run where we would all read the issue go online and say i read it i've no idea what's going on i'm loving <laughs> it um yeah and it was kind of nice to go back to it knowing what was going on a little bit more um to to go i mean i i honestly i agree it it's so beautiful to see how the interchanges and the intercuts were done and and they've really taken the two polar opposites of like the most techie space wolfy ghost you know like sci-fi down to the as street level as you can get with lockley um and yeah you have you you really have this sense of disorientation um, which is obviously trying to sort of mirror what's going on in his head. You still no idea what's real, and like, but but we had this for so we had this for so much of the run, and it and it's so enjoyable because to be able to pull that off and keep people buying the comics is, is pretty masterful, both in storytelling and art. And uh, and yeah, it's a hell of a ride. And going back to it, like, because I have to say, first time round. I'm not as big into sort of space opera sci-fi stuff, but it's just so luscious and beautiful. And the whole idea of like space werewolves. <laughs> no, very random. I mean, obviously Moon Knight's, you know, the moon and werewolves yeah. has got that connection, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the the absence of Stephen Grant as well and what you were saying, Rebecca, about not, you know, not knowing if any of it's real. I think previously um, there was almost an implication that Stephen Grant um, was the real like real world mm-hmm. and, and so to have him not here you're kind of just left to your own devices just kind of in the middle of this massive space war um, and then you know um, thrown into with Jake Lockley on the streets uh, so yeah it was it was uh, I found it very like visceral like the yeah the, the it, it, it just... definitely mirrors one of my favorite books so uh, which is like slaughterhouse five that whole not not really feeling anchored to the story like you're not really sure what what's happening but you like that because you know that's what the protagonist is feeling. So, and that's a good point. It's very, I think, it's very rare to actually go. I have no idea what the hell is going on, but I love it. You know, you know what I mean. If, yeah. if it's if it's confusing, and you know, most of the time people would like lose interest. Go, okay, well, that just made no sense at all. But the fact that we're we're still all on board uh, is is a testament, I think, to to Lemire and and, and the characters. Yeah. I think it's masterful stuff. I honestly do. I, th- I think, I think that's why this run will be talked about for a long time, um, because I mean, like, it, it, I don't know. I mean, there's so many other comics you see come out on a weekly basis that people will say I didn't really get what was going on, and they just drop them. But there was, and and I'm not talking about people who are like crazy Moon Knight fans, and I don't mean that in a in the sort of disparaging way. Obviously, like I'd buy anything Moon Knight right now. But um, but people coming onto it because they'd heard it was good, were also saying that they were going to keep with it because there's a sense in all the crazy that whoever is in charge of the story knows what's going on. Yes, and that yeah. that's the kind of that's the sleight of hand 
perfect uh, like masterfulness of it is that like you might not know what's going on but you still have this comforting sense that someone yes. does yeah you, you um, pretty much trust the writer knows he's going to he's going to lead you on to you know all the answers will be answered or you know you'll get some sort of closure yes that you know yeah. that there's, there's going to be closure and no one's going to be able to explain this fully but um you get a sense that it's going somewhere it's not just this random i mean i can imagine like another writer doing this um, not having a as good an art team, mm. but it's it just seeming like a disjointed mess. Mm. Yeah, and the art, you're right, the art really does make the difference here, and perfect, perfect casting. I think we've, we've discussed it kind of off-air as well, just with, uh, and I think last episode as well, just with the, the choice of artists for each of the each of the genres that I guess uh, the personalities uh, encapsulate. It's just, yeah. it's just really good. And, and again, as you say, um, the fact that people do follow this uh, considering the massive amount of titles out there, you know how you know if you're confused, you, you just drop it because you know yeah. you can just bump into another title that you'll just love. You know, um, the fact that yeah, people hang around for it is uh, is pretty pretty impressive. Um, yeah. So uh, aspects. Who shall who shall kick off? I think Rebecca, first time with the pod, kick us off with your mm-hmm. first aspect. I haven't, I've only really got one because I, right. I, 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 look, <laughs> I peeked at yours and figured you'd have both got covered everything else. Mine really was the artist, actually, um, because the other thing is like, I mean, you know, I, and again, no disrespect for Moon Knight, he is not one of the premier titles at Marvel, and. And like, yes, they've got a great writer in the mind. And yes, Smallwood's amazing. (laughs) And yes, well, you know what I mean? But like the fact that they were able to pick such perfect artists, not just for this issue, but for this whole arc, um, that capture each segment perfectly, but also work together perfectly. Like, you know, they're not, it's not a switch to sort of comedy animation or they they fit together like you could actually see how they could come from the same thing but they're very distinct and it, it's it feels luxurious like reading it feels luxurious that we've been able to be exposed to this because traditionally when you get multiple artists um in comics these days that you getting you're getting fill-in ones so mm. where i oh, mean yeah. like um and, and but and they just arbitrarily just um they, whoever's around and sometimes yeah. they're great i mean like you know greg small has been doing fill-in art um until he announces whatever his next project is with marvel but i mean you know he's done fill-in art so they're not bad fill-in artists are not, are not bad artists it's just they tend to be sort of grabbed from this pool of so you could get anyone um and it, it says something about the sort of respect for this this run is that they got all these artists to come in and do these bits and uh you know and and they just they make it stand out i um i have this little fantasy i'm not too sure but i i, I kind of think that moon knight um with writers and artists it's kind of it's such a small little title in the whole canon of marvel but it seems to attract a lot of really good artists and writers um do you reckon a lot of the the creative artists um kind of vie to, to go on Moon Knight? It's just I don't know. Like... I don't know, but I definitely think it's a a thing you wouldn't turn down. And I definitely think, especially with this arc, like if you're told, yeah. go wild, you're getting the space stuff. Go wild, you're getting, we want it to pop but in you. I mean, and they've let, usually a lot of time fill-in artists have to stick with styles that have already been established. Like we've just had another very good fill-in artist on uh, Black Bolt. 
where Fraser Irving came in to do a bit of Black Bolt because Christian Ward's wife has just had a baby. Oh, and was clearly, I mean, obviously this this issue came out well before the baby, but she was clearly in the last couple of months of her pregnancy. So, um, and that's that's why they got Fraser Irving in. But he's had to keep it akin to Christian Ward's style. Whereas this, this they're like, no, we're picking you because of your style. Mm. Do it your way. You do you. Which I'm sure is why they got these guys. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, it makes a, a massive uh, a massive reason to get them, and it's right in their wheelhouse. I mean, if you look at Stoko, yeah. I mean, he's just done all that sort of stuff. And Frank Avia, um, I'm not too well. I've I've seen his stuff on um, on Black Panther um, before when when Black Panther took over Daredevil's role. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah, I've seen him on that as well. But um, it just seems that he's got that kind of uh, noir kind of sensibility um to him you know um and, and that works so well it works so well yeah and Torres just with the clean the clean art um i've got a little uh comment then about the artists here um don't want to cause ripples but <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know i love both of the art as well but did did you any of you um find uh maybe a slight um difference in quality to franca via's art in this issue compared to the rest i, I found it a bit um I don't know if he ran out of time, but it, it seemed a lot more stylized um, than what he would be f- usually do. Um, did you pick that up? Um, I thought that was on purpose. Yeah, me okay. too. Admittedly, like it seemed another one of my points later with the way, especially color, is used by these two artists to represent. You know, the changes between the two is they really begin to meld and blend in the middle. It, it definitely seemed like, you know, with the way the narrative was structured. Frank Avia possibly wanted to emulate Stokos a bit more to sort of make that transition as, you know, these two worlds sort of collapsing on each other. Well, yeah, I mean, I thought maybe then it was just the fact that we did have Stokos' art in parallel to Frank Avia's that actually Stoko being so ultra-detailed, when you flick to Frank Avia's, it just actually seemed a lot more simplified than than what you used to but that might be just because purely perspective that you kind of you flick between yeah, him true. and Stoko. that's yeah. probably exactly what it is because like in the other issues where you have more artists mm. it's probably less noticeable yeah yeah because i didn't notice it like um in the last issue i thought that was you know that was great i mean not to say that this art is bad by frank Avia. it looks really good but i'm looking at the um that page where you have jake lockley just standing like the top half of the panel and there's uh there's purple yeah. yellow and yeah and to me, I, I remember flicking to that going, oh, that's, you know, it, it, I'm sure he could have added a bit more detail there. But, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so did that tie into kind of your, uh, one of your aspects? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, if, I, if I pull up my exact thing. Actually, before I move on, I would actually like to make one more point about that past point, which interests me of whether... Lemire actually chose Frank Avia and Stoko, or whether, you know, he kind of put the interest out and Marvel got Stoko and Frank Avia. Ah, whether it's the editor's thing. I, yeah, I think yeah. It might be, yeah, I think it might be a big uh, editor's uh, decision, right, Rebecca? I, 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 um... I think, what did somebody describe it as? Who were they? I was listening to an interview with a writer once uh, recently, and I think they said that... Um, as you sort of go up the ranks in Marvel, you you get more of a choice about who you're going to work with. So yeah. it oh. may be that they it may be that they gave him a little. These are the people we're suggesting. Right. What do you think? 
and, ah, yes. and, and he, he helped match them up or something like that. I'm sure that Lemire at the time had enough, given that this was like one of his last Marvel things, had, had enough pull to sort of um, possibly even call in favours if there was anyone he desperately wanted. But yes, I think it's usually editorial hmm. does the contact and, and sees if they can. And then, but maybe they gave him like seven or eight and said, who, who do you think? And then saw who they could. Uh, might be a yeah, case of dangling the carrot too, and maybe entice him <laughs> to hang around a bit longer. Yeah, hey, look, you yeah. know, if we, if we, get, if we get who you want, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think that was, um, Rebecca, I think that was Greg Smallwood's interview. I think Maybe it... thinking of, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Because yeah. I remember there was a, a video of his interview. I can't remember who interviewed him, but I remember Smallwood talking about that. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, look, one of my, oh, sorry, Connor, your, your aspect. Oh, yeah, I'll say that quickly since I've, I've basically, you know, said most of my part. But I think what I really love here is the um, the artistic, you know, the perfect meld of uh, styles. You know, we saw in the last issue and actually the issue before that as well um, that, you know, jumping between all of these was so just like such a hit to the senses because you know, the colours were always so different. The art style, the uh, composition. But here, especially as we... Um, we hit the uh, sort of the big twist here when the um, the ship and the uh, cab both smash, crash, and they fall out. That page perfectly encapsulates the same colours as we move from one um, style to the other. And we see that again when, you know, he's about to walk into Gina's diner and then we see uh, Lupinar's ship... Uh, oh, it's... Uh, sorry, just Mark looking at the dome as uh, Lupinar's ship comes down you sort of see that cut from the small blues to the you know the massive blue landscape and i thought it was just perfect especially with the way you know i talk a bit about my third aspect the way the narrative also you know lemire is so effectively able to jump from writing so distinctly jake lockley and so distinctly moon knight one mark specter it's just it's so snappy and and the way that the art uh, stands is a perfect sort of you know I don't know, uh, focus point, you know, um, po uh, like pole of where this blends and where this connects and that they work so well with the colours to change that as Lemire changed his writing style just shows what an incredible book this is and how it's must have been so well communicated because the, the composition of this entire issue is just perfect to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the structures are yeah very much there, and I wonder as well um, when you say about Lemire just flicking voices so easily. Um, I imagine him when he writes it, he, he must just write purely independently the the three stories, like the three stories, and then kind of cuts them in together. I think just to because it it is it is such a, a great change of. Um, of of script like when you go between Mark Spector and, and Jake Lockley like the voices are pretty clear I thought Connor you were going to mention uh, one of the great crossovers here for me was um, page 10 so right smack bang in the middle you have Frank Avia doing space, space art with the, oh, with the yeah. reveal of the taxi I think mm -hmm. that was a really good touch because you literally just get an overlap of the two right then and there um, I think that was great, and uh, I I totally agree. Those colours and that massive, um, beautiful splash page or, or two panels, basically of, of both of them crashing. I think the colours are really a highlight over there as well. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, look, my first aspect would be uh, 
just a cosmic adventure. Uh, I think I mentioned before just that how visceral it was. It just the action was non-stop for me. I thought it was just fantastic, and I felt like I was just right in the middle of it, which is the, the kind of thing that you get from the previous issue when you when you're thrown into them jumping into their jets. Um, I think I mentioned last time. I kind of reminded me of Starship Troopers, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but just the space action is is great and. Uh, yeah, look, I don't mind the cosmic stuff um, as well. I'm following Guardians of the Galaxy, so I love all that stuff. Um, and Stoko and Lemire do it do it really well. Uh, I like the designs of the Moon Knight jets. I think they were. You know, I think a lot of thought was put into that, um, as well as the pilot suits. Um, and also, I love the uh, uh, the little moon wings that Mark has. <laughs> oh, I love uh, those <laughs> as an emergency thing that he just jumps and and, and jets over to the uh, to the bubble. So. They're yeah. so ridiculous, but I love them. Yeah, it's just so like calmly done. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna flick my. Um, yeah, my little my yeah. little backpack just goes into little half moons. Yeah, yeah and I've I've got to include my symbol whenever I can. So yeah, yeah, yeah branding, wings look like branding mark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, yeah, I, th- I thought that was great. Um, yeah, and, and I must say, I far enjoyed um, the the space bit here than than the um the street level stuff but you know as we mentioned it's all kind of inter interwoven together um have you got another aspect there connor uh yeah actually one of my other aspects follows uh directly from yours um my first one was uh you know that space opera and reminded me of i suppose my very specific watching of a lot of a uh, space opera anime you know it was totally form of mine like i felt sort of you know legend of galactic heroes you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have at all been surprised if Mark got in a in a Moon Knight Gundam to finish off the Space Werewolves. <laughs> the weak door. That would have been cool. <laughs> but yeah, no, cool, I, yeah. I totally love that, and I think that's why I, you know, attached myself to Stoker to remind me of all the stuff I watched. You know, growing up as well. I just, I, I just really love spaceships and space werewolves and lightsaber battles and crazy villains in their big cockpits screaming about. Aha, uh-huh, this is the last stand of humanity. Uh-huh. Yeah, they've even got the lightsabers, don't they? They've got like, <laughs> these uh it's all it's all kind of there. But I, I yeah, I mean going back, I just do love the design. Like you can see there's mm-hmm. that big splash page where Lupinar it crashes through the bubble and uh and his ship has got like a face of a wolf on there. Do you, yeah. <laughs> do you need to see that? It's just uh I don't know, Stoko he's just he you know, he's just let loose on this, I think. Um and yeah, his designs are just so cool. Yeah, just the man uh, Yeah. Um, my uh, second one would be a uh, segue into General Lupinar himself. Um, he's just a he's just a bit of a weird one, isn't he? He's uh, <laughs> he's not like any of any of the space wolves, um, and he obviously hates it uh, hates Mark for some reason. Um, but he's got a cool design as well. He's got I don't know lightsabers coming out of his hands or something. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if he's meant to reference anyone else that we should know. Is there any? Are there any long-haired blonde people in Mark's past that we we should know? I think so. I think uh, this is a new design. This is a new design. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, he also um, he also refers to the master as well. So yeah. Lupinar is not the not the head honcho. He actually serves another, like all space opera. Things, yeah. <laughs> um, like all comic yeah. things. All comic things as well. So yeah. it just makes me wonder who the who the you know the big bad is. Um, and I thought we would have gotten a reveal with that command ship because we see that early on. 
but it just ends up being a, um, a ship full of um, those animalistic space wolves which just pop out. So, so no answers there. Have you got another one there, Connor? Uh, I covered my third point, actually, and I assume we have a very similar fourth point, so I think I'll let you go on to your third aspect. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, my third was just the interwining, uh, in, intertwining sorry, between Mark and Jake. Uh, yeah, I think I, I touched upon this just before, but I, I love the fact that... Um, that they kind of collide, uh, both both literally. You see when they crash through the the wind, windscreen, but with the art as well. Um, the the shot of the taxi on the moon and Frank Avia taking that art himself. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I just love the structure of how they do it. You know, uh, apart from the story and, and the the great visuals, um, I really do dig how how things are kind of put together. And uh, yeah, I thought it was very yeah very sensible and. Um, uh, yeah, and just and it's quite a good way to to, to structure it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Also, as well, I had the on the intertwining uh, the point. I'm just reading through my notes. How at the beginning uh, we kind of we kind of take Mark Spector and, and the space um, war as as kind of the the reality. Because, you know, we all see it from his perspective and he gets these flashes oh, yeah. of Jake, Jake right? Mm-hmm. And then slowly, by the end of the issue, it turns the other way around. So you then have um, you then have Jake waking up uh, and it's as if he's been dreaming that. So it's kind of roles reverse there as well. Uh, so, yeah, again, just an example of how, how Lemire kind of um, pushes back and forth with these characters and I think it was just, just really quite good um and at the end as well when uh the police shout out that they know mark specter is in there or something and you know um put your hands up and they they know that he's done it which was that massacre it kind of affirms uh to jake who we thought it was a dream all of a sudden going oh oh my gosh it's uh there is a mark but he's he can't be in space right it's got to be another mark uh in the diner which the, the police think so yeah um gloriously confusing <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and that was, so that was similar to yours, Connor, about the the end. Yeah. So when we get to the end, sort of, uh, you know, everyone's dead. The uh, the wolves, the space wolves, which I love the design of. They're terrifying and they're lanky, but I love them. The page of them jumping out is my favorite thing, and they're ugly and they're biting people's necks. But uh, yeah, um, you know, they they basically wipe out humanity in the final battle. Lupinar bites Mark and uh, the police. Or after Mark or Jay, because everyone in the diner, even Gina, is dead, and it was just, you know, it's it's kind of a big gut hit. And Frenchie's yeah. dead as well. You always Frenchie seems to die dead. now. Yeah. Oh, and you're right. Actually, that massacre. So was that done by a werewolf? It was a full moon, wasn't it, Connor? Yeah. Like and a the, couple of panels yeah. before, and they're saying it's Mark, and we did actually see Mark get bitten in space, um, but albeit he got bitten by a wolf. Ooh, that's pretty cool. I didn't. I didn't put that together. I don't know. I might be wrong. Tune in next oh, well, no, it, it certainly implies it, which is which is pretty cool. I think. Um, yeah, I mean that ties in with my fourth aspect as well. Um, but I, I just thought you know um, had had Jake blacked out or something. You know, he he kind of wakes up from his um, from being unconscious, and had he blacked out and become Mark Spector and slaughtered these people. That's what I thought. Um, and. Uh, I just thought the full moon, which was shown prior, was just you know, you know how they say people get a bit crazy in full moons. So yeah. I thought maybe that was the mm. that was the the tie in there. But um, 
yeah, there's also an implication of uh, yeah, maybe a, maybe a werewolf because all, all the patrons were kind of bloodied. I, I don't there's think certainly a lot that. of blood splatter. Yeah. Yeah, not like guns or something. It's more. It just seems to be more of a, um, you know, a stabby stabby rather than a shooty shooty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, yep, uh, so a good issue, eh? Um, how about ratings? What, what would we give this? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll let Rebecca go first. Yes, take it away, Rebecca. Um, what are we doing, out of ten? Out of five Uh, crescent darts. Five crescent darts. Four. Mm -hmm. The, with the missing one for confusion. (laughs) Not, not. (laughs) Only through the genius of the writing and the art, not through a problem with it. Yeah. But it is very much a mid-story issue. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. That's why I, th- I thought it you would have that closure. Yeah. I thought you would have been a bit more disappointed because there was no Smallwood in there as well. <laughs> uh, no, you know, like it just makes it better when he comes back. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but that's what I, exactly. I, it is one of the things I liked about this issue. Actually, is like. Right, you're in charge of this comic and you've been given these other artists to play with and you make a choice on one of those issues to only use two of them. That's that's a pretty gutsy move as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that's an assured bit of writing to say, you know, after the previous issue where we got to see a bit of all of them, to say, no, we'll pair it back, we'll just do the two. So in a way, you're kind of like you feel a little bit disappointed because you don't get anything about Stephen. Yeah. Mark. Yeah, that, that's um, what. Yeah, that's what. But I then I think. First. Yeah, I think that was my first feeling. Is like, but I wonder what's happening with the others. But actually, when you go back and look at it, I think it's a really ballsy move to just sort of say, "No, I want to have those massive splashes of space opera. Uh, uh, I want to do this, and we can tell it all just with these two. Yeah, you you need a lot of room to to tell that space opera, and yeah, uh, I don't I don't think if you, you try to cram in another story in there, uh, it wouldn't seem as vast as it did, and, and uh, it wouldn't be able to progress as much as it did. So, uh, yeah, yeah, true, true. And as uh, with the breaks in saga and things like this, you know, sometimes people like Smallwood need a a few days off, so he's allowed to miss them. That's right, <laughs> recharge the old batteries. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Connor? Um, look, you've probably heard me, fanboy. I think it isn't an issue, but it kind of it, it swept me off a bit. I think I, I'm very much into space werewolf combat, and I don't know cabs crashing, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I fell in love. I think it was a you know it was a five out of five, six out of five for pure hype. But you know, ah. it was a, <laughs> it was just a very strong issue that sets up where we're going with this, you know, very nicely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd. Uh... I know I'd, I'd probably lean maybe uh, similar to Rebecca. I'll give it a four, because um, uh, I think I gave I think I gave a five or a six to the last issue, which I thought was was great. Um, this was good. Um, yeah, I, I love the the space opera stuff as well, and the art was just fantastic. The writing was very clever, um, just how he, he structured everything. Um, but yeah, I, I did feel yeah it was missing like the street level. Moon Knight, um, yeah, I know. I just like I would have liked to have seen uh, Mister Knight or Moon Knight somewhere, um, uh, but it was you know it was a still fun ride, so it wasn't wasn't bad by any means. So I'll give it a I'll give it a four. So there you go, loonies. Um, high praise yet again for 
volume eight. Um, so that was part two. So we've only got a couple more um, issues to end this arc of incarnations. Um, but yep, it's it's coming along nicely. Uh, okay, as a, a bit of a break, we have uh, a character spotlight now, which we did pri- previously with Morpheus, and this time round, we're doing Stained Glass Scarlet. So, I know, Rebecca, you um, don't know too much about this character, right? I certainly didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I don't know, where do we start? Her origin? Without without getting too far into the whole kind of story of it, um, she's basically... Like a nun with a gun, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I just, um, that's just my that's impression. Ex nun with a gun. Ex, sorry. Ex nun with a gun or ex nun with a crossbow, I guess. Yeah. Um, but she's a bit of a, a twisted one. Like all Moon Knight, uh, adversaries, uh, she's not a, she's like, she's not 100% there, is she? Um, and she remains quite ambiguous as to, you know, whether she is a, like a bad person or a good person. Uh, that's that's my impressions. Um, uh, what do yeah, you think, she's Connie? like a yes, a less playful black cat. You know, never really hero villain doing things good and bad. You never know quite where the the hero stands with them at this point. And uh, yeah, I, I suppose as Moon Knight should be. This is she's very much a darker sort of, very almost similarly. Similarly, um, almost unhinged, you know, entirely unsure of their mental state or, you know, how well they are and what what their intentions are. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's um, she's like massively like understated in the in the fact that she hasn't like she hasn't any superpowers or anything like no. that. Yeah, you know, in the issue, in the issue that we'll see, um, she she doesn't show any. Uh, well, she doesn't display any fighting skills, although in Wiki it, it mentions she's an expert martial artist, so I don't know where she where she managed <laughs> to get that. Um, uh, and she ends up being a, 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 a marksman with a crossbow. Um, so she hasn't got much to her arsenal, I think, by way of, you know, action and all that, but she's certainly very interesting because, I guess, I think her history is, is the biggest pull for her. Mm. Like... Uh, and we see that in 14 about how, basically, how she came to be the way she is. Um, and also, she has this strange bond with Moon Knight, which is not was... never really explained. <laughs> I, I remember reading yeah. up on that and just being so lost. Was that a Mark Spector Moon Knight thing? Uh, no, no. That, uh, actually, yeah, sorry, yes, it was. It was in, mm. uh, in, in Scarlet Redemption. Uh, again, nothing is really explained there, um, but they have this uh, psychic bond somehow. Uh, and, and there's that kind of whole push and pull of, uh, of, of Mark uh, falling for her um, and, and her falling for him, but at the same time she wants to kill him, you know, kind of like a typhoid as Mary. As you do. <laughs> yeah, as you do. <laughs> yeah, which is any healthy relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so she's very very interesting in, in that regards. But um, as for, like, a traditional comic book character... There's really not much to her, um, yeah. So, uh, other than that, uh, we've got here on the notes here. If we start with abilities, it's, it's, again, she's an expert in martial arts, trained in combat. Oh, when she became a prison guard in a women's prison. Okay, um, I didn't remember that. Yeah, uh, it's profici- sort of it's sort of weirdly sprinkled and a bit more yeah. in 
Resurrection War, I think, because she's a oh, okay. she's a she's a big plan that I could be misremembering. I, we I need to re, uh, re, uh, return to Resurrection War. Resurrection, yeah, it's just a great one with that. Uh, was it Tommy Lee Edwards? Great art. Um, yeah, proficient in bayonets, guns, and the crossbow. You know, because as we all know, nuns are trained in that. <laughs> in the in the nunnery. To be fair, yeah. being skilled in the crossbow seems to be not that hard in the Marvel universe. <laughs> Hawkeye just yeah, just that, that's true. Hawkeye, new Hawkeye. Yeah, you know. Yeah. They're all over the place. Although Hawkeye's got, where did I read it before? Apparently, there's um, have you come across it? There's an explanation why he's so good. He's got some condition with his uh, with his eyes or something. Yes, some, but I was talking yeah. about Kate Hawkeye, really. Oh yeah, yeah, Kate. Like, she's just the like, best you can have, you know, like you, it, there's a lot of very good marksmen yeah. in the uh, Marvel universe. What, what, what's um, what what's Kate's um, background with with Hawkeye? I, I'm actually not too familiar with. She's from another uh, reality, right? No, she? she was. Um, I don't no? think no. She was. No, uh, okay. Actually, shout out to Living Between Wednesdays for uh, covering <laughs> Young Avengers to give me the answer to this. Uh, she was. Ah. <laughs> she was like the. She's the uh, daughter of the, uh, these rich people who's when she's basically real bored of just you know living that rich boring life when the Young Avengers come along back around Avengers Assemble. And, um, yeah, she's just, I don't know, I suppose she just got really good at being a marksman with a lot of money over those years. She was raped. And she, part of the training thing was to not be in that position again. But she's just a rich kid who had this traumatic experience and has just trained. You know, so that's what I mean about, yeah, it's possible to train to be as good as Hawkeye, apparently. Um, But... She obviously has some natural talent there. You know, I'm not. Yeah. And and how how did she pick up the um again just just as we just slightly go on a tangent how how did she what well, why did she pick the Hawkeye Monica was that because the, he wasn't Hawkeye at the time ah so she just filled in the gap yeah yeah it was either ah. when he was dead or being Ronan and oh, okay. uh, they break in and she steals his bow oh okay yes yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think she, yeah, uh, and then then they have this sort of run in where they have little like shooting, whatever. I, yeah. I don't know the. De- I'm not like massive. Like, please don't write in and tell me how little I know. <laughs> um, but like, uh, I, I've seen the bit where she steals his bow. I've seen the bit where he goes to get it back, and another yes, bit where that. he sort of where he sort of gives her one and says, that, you know, here, have Just- it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And that's when they kind that of accept that they'll be the two Hawkeyes. Yeah, I think that was, uh, I read that in the um, one of the, the big trades for Matt yeah. Production. Yeah, they had like, one of the backup sense. story, like that they tag one of these issues at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah oh, check okay. out uh, Young Avengers by um, Alan Heinberg and Jim Yes, Chung definitely do. It's very that's good. That's where she begins. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I'll, I'll I'm, I'm loving the, the series... Um, I think I spoke to you guys about that latest issue. It's just oh, yeah, it's oh, so good, fantastic. Uh, you got to. You, you, did you read it, Connor? Yeah, yeah. I actually read, only just yeah. read it. I, I love this arc. I oh, think this runs absolutely so stellar. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a slow a slow start to begin with, and it got a lot of flack yeah. because she was just so sassy. But um, uh, <laughs> I think um, Thompson's pared that down now, and it's um, it's just really it's going really well. There's a nice mix of um, of banter and action in that. Um, so, anyway, anyway, 
back to uh, <laughs> back to Moon Knight. Back to Scarlet. Scarlet, Saint Glass, Scarlet. Connor, can, um, can you uh, list out there? So she's made a fair few appearances. Yeah, yeah, kind of contained her own arcs, but uh, she first appeared uh, in the issue we're about to cover, Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 14, where we don't even see the stained glass Scarlet Monica. That appears in her next appearance in Moon Knight Volume 1, 24, where she gets the crossbow, comes a badass, kicks people around, and then disappears after that. Until Mark Spector Moon Knight, Issues 26 to 30, following on from an arc in the first volume, Scarlet Redemption. I've never read it. Ray, Ray seems to have. We, we've got to cover it. It's just the weirdest thing. Oh, God. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. It, oh, the 90s. Mark Spector. It's just a crazy, crazy, crazy run. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was. Uh, then her next bit was in uh, Resurrection War, the four, four issue uh, miniseries where all the big bads from Moon Knight's history return. And she's a massive player in that. She's... She's a big one. She's on all the covers. That's the first, I think, actually. So, yeah. And then uh, a few more interesting appearances. She appears in Civil War Battle Damage Report Volume 1, Issue 1. Like, you know, that Civil War 2 choosing sides where, you know, it's kind of a throwaway line about her appearing. We're like, oh, she could be good for the initiative, which is interesting. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, okay. And then um, apart from that, that was, you know, her first full appearance was Resurrection War in 99, 98, and then Damage Report in 2007. But apart from that, not much else. You know, she appeared in three different, you know, Gamers Handbook of the Marvel Universe, all new official Handbook of the Marvel Universe, official Handbook of the Marvel Universe, A to Z. Mm-hmm. And then a brief mention in Lemire's run, and that's really all we've heard of her. She's uh, her sort of had uh, heyday as a whole... What's that? Eleven issues, really. Yeah. And she, she she still kind of endures as well. Like it, it's weird. I think she's um, quite popular. Um, yeah, for so few issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like if you compare, I guess similar to Morpheus. Like Morpheus hasn't really been in much as well, but um, such an interesting character. And again, um, look. With, with uh, Scarlet's origin, uh, we're we're pretty much going to touch upon issue fourteen anyway. So. Um, as far as spotlight goes, <clears throat> I think I think we can cover that in the issue coming. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, so for someone around just you know here and there, uh, she's definitely made a lot of impact, uh, and much of it I think is to do with uh, early on in, in this, issue, this issue as well. It's just her sense of um, well, it's a history, but but she seemed highly intelligent as well. Yeah, um, yeah, which kind of sets her apart from your typical street level thug or or you know bank robber so um yeah yeah stained glass of scarlet sorry what uh look just briefly as well scarlet fascinera was her full name right and, yes uh, yes and she's got a few relatives she's got a husband who's dead and a son <laughs> who died <laughs> and a father she killed so that kind of yeah yeah exactly yeah well that's a, that's Whoa. a main thing yeah sorry. so uh yeah, so that kind of sets her off onto her path. But, uh, yeah, a, a tragic figure. Um, I kind of like her as well. I hope I hope she comes back in some iteration. Yeah, I'd um, love to see her in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. High on the um, <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Mr. Connor, so we have review number two. Would you like to do the honours? 
I shall endure, I suppose. Moon Knight, mm. Volume 1, Issue 14, Stained Glass Scarlet, released on the 1st of December, 1981, written by uh, Doug Munch, uh, penciled by Bill uh, Sinkovich, uh, uh, colours by Christy Scheel. I think this may have been one of her first issues on the run, actually. They had a quite a few, uh, I think it was almost one colourist every issue, fun fact. Uh, Janice Chang on letters, same, I think, once again, almost a one and done. With uh, always there, Denny O'Neill, editor, and Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. Editor For our uh, bare bones. In a rundown church in the South Bronx, a lone woman drifts within, tortured by memories. She is stained glass scarlet, and amongst the solitude, she contemplates her next involving a recent prison escapee, Mad Doc Fascinera. As Stephen and Marlene enjoy a cultured evening, their night is cut short by the news on the radio of Mad Dog Fascinera in a shootout with the police. Moon Knight springs into action, and it's not long before he spots the gunfire from the moon cop. Moon Knight manages to subdue the bank robbers, but Mad Dog manages to escape, killing one of his own men along the way. Having evaded Moon Knight's grasp, Moon Knight decides to track down two of the other bank robbers who also manage to escape. They lead him to an abandoned store, but Moon Knight is surprised to see a woman in red appear and enter the store as well. The robbers are also surprised that their secret safe house is compromised and are stunned that the woman in red knows of it. Moon Knight intervenes and makes short work of the criminals, but is so intrigued by stained glass scarlet, the woman in red, that he's compelled to follow. Moon Knight confronts her in the abandoned church, and stained glass scarlet tells of her origin, how she was a nun before meeting a reformed criminal, Vince Fascinera. How they married, but Vince returned to his old ways, neglected his son, and ultimately returning to a life of crime. How his last bank job ends with his death and the mysterious disappearance of all the bank money. And finally, how Joe left without a father, grows resentful and ultimately criminal, abandoning his mother. As Moon Knight reflects on the sad tale, Joe, Mad Dog Fascinera, appears, determined to retrieve his father's hidden loot from stained glass scarlet. She pleads to her son that she is all he needs, and Moon Knight valiantly attempts to defuse the situation. Moon Knight is shot, but in the melee, stained glass scarlet pulls the gun on her own son. Stained Glass Scarlet makes the hardest decision that a mother never should, and is forced to kill her own son. In a final twist, as Mad Dog clutches at the bell rope, the bell sounds his death knell, but also reveals a hidden stash which is hidden within the church bell for all these years. Yes, so... Uh, quite an issue. Yeah, quite an issue. Quite yeah. uh, Filled with a lot of sadness. It's very different from the, um, the previous issue that we've just reviewed. Um, yeah, initial thoughts. Uh, Rebecca? Um, I really enjoyed it. My um, the writing was amazing. It was. I think we've all picked up on it. It was. Oh yeah. So poetic and evocative. Um, it was. I was just really. It was a real pleasure. Like sometimes it's hard to go back and read old comics because they are a little bit more wordy. But this one was just a joy um, of just setting the scene. It had a mournful tone to it, so you kind of got that sense that. This wasn't going to be a biff bang pow fight with a, a villain, but it was still going to have that kind of thing. But it was, she, I mean, it was more, it was more about her than than Moon Knight. But that that wasn't a problem. No, not at all. And uh, yeah, definitely um, sets she Munch sets her up really well at the beginning. I thought, and and as you mentioned, the evocative writing. Uh, uh, really, really distinct from Munch, I think. Uh, I mean, if you just immediately compare it to Lemire's just prior, uh, yeah. 
it's just so yeah, just so colourful. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I yeah, I found I too found it quite quite enjoyable. The story, um, look, there were some uh, there were some tools in the story that were I think just plonked in to to keep the story running, which we'll, we'll get yeah. into. But um, but essentially a very simple story as well. If you look at the what really happens, um, apart from kind of uh, telling of stained glass Scarlet's origin, uh, nothing much really happens rather than Moon Knight just, um, um, you know, punching a few crims and then following Stained Glass Scarlet. Um, it's more, it's more like the backdrop and, um, and how Stained Glass Scarlet comes to be, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah. Connor, how about yourself? Yeah. Um, Amaya, yeah, it was, it was, it was a real interesting issue and such a, such a distinctly different from the rest of the run. If you've read or even just followed the issues we've reviewed on the show of our classic reviews, it's it's so different. You know, it isn't that if how bang sort of fight as Rebecca said, it was, you know, it was this real sort of dramatic, almost tragedy like play in which we saw all these pieces on a real sad chessboard. And almost these characters were almost used more as poetic devices, you know, Scarlet is the sad and, widowed mother and this sad tale of mothers and sons and yeah i think to get onto that first aspect of the poetic writing it just adds so much to this issue almost it takes the forefront of the writing more than any dialogue just, you know the way he talks about a scene the way he talks about movement in this unholy po- uh, poetic way and i think it's just amazing there's a few times because in this in this amazing way that um sort of almost makes classic moon knight more timeless than others this poetic replaced a lot of that classic, ah, I, ne- I can throw my moon dart and I'll cut his leg and he'll trip over the skipping rope. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just the way that, and there's a whole three panels in this that it returns to the, you know, the classic sort of explanation, exposition, and it's so distinct and so drab straight away that you can just tell how much um, Munch managed to cover it up with this amazing poetic dialogue. Yeah. It just it just drips with emotion, doesn't it? I'm staring at this um, page. I'm actually reading it. It's available also on the Essential Collection Volume Two in black and white, and uh, uh, you can find it, uh, you know, uh, on Marvel Unlimited as well. And I'm sure I think uh, in the, Comicsology. Yeah, uh, yeah. And there's also yeah. the uh, should be in stores the Moon Knight Epic Collection Volume Two. Oh, Epic. Yep. Yep, yep, that would be in colour, yeah, as well. But it's just, uh, it's just dripping with emotion, and I've got to have a little, little grin here, a little smirk. I mean, <laughs> I've got this page where where Mar- Marlene's playing the piano, and she just gets so overwhelmed with emotion, she can't, she hears the stuff on the radio, she can't play anymore, and it's just, it's everything's dripping with, uh, uh you know, with with drama and stuff. So it kind of, yeah, Munch does set the tone everywhere. Um, uh, about how this kind of issue is going to kind of be set as, uh, uh, but yeah, it's basically uh, it centres around the tragedy of uh, of stained glass Scarlet. Um, yeah, so look, my my first aspect as well was the um, was the was the writing of Munch as well, uh, and I've got a couple of excerpts here which I think is really good. It said like. We made a grab for the dream, reached for the moon, and we came down with our hands full. You know, that sort of stuff which, uh, I don't know, you read more like in prose, right, rather than you expect in a yeah. comic book. And uh, and also, 
and by the time the sirens moan to a halt. So it's so kind of, he kind of gives such a, such a good imagery to stuff. Um, and between them, Joe Fascinera's heart bleeds into a spreading pool for no one. Comes the dawn, it will gleam as red as stained glass scarlet. But now, despite the moonlight, it is merely dark, and there is nothing but its deeper stain of blackness. I mean, yeah, uh, this is this is kind of yeah, it's like novel writing. It's um, it's really good. Um, so yeah, definitely a highlight of this issue would be the um, it would be the script. Uh, how about a second aspect, um, Connor? Oh. My second aspect. Let me pull that up. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I just, I suppose, I'll expand on Fascinera as almost this poetic character. You know, the surprising. If you, if you've not read Moon Knight before, you're, uh, you're with us for the first time, journeying back. You'd hear about Stained Glass Skull, and you'd be like, oh yeah, you know, woman in red, good with the crossbow, possibly even the craziness of that nineties Mark Spectron. But here, it. it you know, on a almost that yeah, you're right. Almost a prose type issue. She seems so like just undeniably human, just a, a, a small part in this massive pool of events. And you know, we're so used to seeing this this you know the villain of the week. Morpheus two issues before this was using the power of not sleeping to blow up cars, but here she's just a mother caught in a bad situation. She's she's making hard choices, and it's just. You know, it's just, it is just like a sad tale, basically, of broken families and a mother and a son and being una- unable to rekindle those those relationships, ending in a, in a gunshot. Sad boys. Yeah, I, I think it would be really, it'd be a really hard um, story to pitch to the editor yeah. for, um, for Marvel, because yeah. there is a lack, a, a certain lack of action in it, and you do get it, I mean, it is interwoven with, with Mad Dog, Fascinera, who who's... Um, you know, pivotal in, in the story as well because he's the son of, of Stained Glass Scarlet. But if you look at the action pieces in it, it's very, very generic. Like there's uh, a mad dog and his crew, they decide to just rob a bank, it seems, and he's even got, he's even holding a sack with a dollar sign <laughs> on it as well. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of, it's so kind of generic and tropey it's almost kind of like an afterthought right um so i think munch is definitely focusing he his big game here is to to introduce us to stained glass scarlet but i don't think it would have been enough for marvel at the time and the editors to kind of say yep okay um, i'm confident we can do this comic book issue uh let's just publish it you know about stained glass scarlet i think they kind of wanted uh some action in there as well so you get you get the obligatory, uh, you know, um, punch, swack, bram, yeah. you know, a lot of, mm. a lot of that stuff. But uh, yeah, so that that was kind of the tools I was th- I was mentioning before how it was kind of thrown in, but uh, that was probably more due to a request from from the editor than yeah, than from what totally. Munch would have done. Never, yeah, never even thought of yeah. that. Um, but yeah, how about uh, Rebecca? How about you? Um, well, if going carrying on about her, about Scarlet, stained glass Scarlet, um, I thought it does set her up really nicely. Um, it gives her this motivation. It gives her, unusually for some of the women written at the time in comics, she seems to have a fair amount of agency herself. Mm. Like, um, it's very much this is her story. Yes, she's had these terrible things happen to her. She's the one who solves it. Moon Knight doesn't. 
Mm. Um, uh, although obviously he's he he doesn't hurt it, but he's you know he lets her like she actually solves the 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 problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought it was kind of unusual for a comic of the time. I don't know. I've not read a lot of comics of the time recently, but it stood out to me that she seemed like a real person. Again, it, it's part of the writing. Yes, it's a bit tropey because it's a comic. And it's a superhero comic, and it's written in the 70s. I mean, like, we're not going to escape that. But w- with all of that, and even with the sort of battered wife or, you know, abused wife kind of sort of... She's very classy, and she's and, and she's responsible for herself. Like, she takes responsibility for that, for, for what's mm. happened with her family and whether she should or shouldn't. Obviously, she she shouldn't. <laughs> but she does... So- I, I like the fact that, that she ends up being the one who, like, solves it. Yeah. And and it's you've got to admire Munch for for exploring this, you know, as you as you mentioned for this time, um, to have such a such a strong female um, uh, character uh, in the comics. And as she's well. decently dressed. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. Just I mean, saying, you know. Yeah. I mean, we have we have um, you know Marlene. She's great, and she's you know she's quite empowered herself as well, but. There again is that trope of her, uh, you know, just being. How many times do we see her in bed or you know without her clothes on? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have stained glass Scarlet, who's actually, although she's very tragic, um, she has a lot of strength to her. And and although her her action towards the end is is a heartbreaking one, and it's a it's a you know inevitably a, a, ba- a bad one. Um, yeah. It's a very her, her like her strength is is kind of well shown. Uh, in it as a as a character and as a as a woman, so I think that's really really good and testament to to Doug Munch. Um, I had uh, as one of my aspects as well, yeah, the culture <laughs> in in this as mm. well. So again, going adding on to to Munch's writing, um, how he's fleshed out this this character Stained Glass Scarlet, which is a very interesting character. He really does at the beginning in the. Uh, the first few pages, and I've got to make mention actually that very that page one, I think is is great. Uh, oh, the stained isn't glass, it amazing! Oh, it's beautiful. It's a yeah, very cool. So hats off to to Bill Sinkovich there for that. That's a really good way to open it. But uh, the opening pages of of this issue uh, kind of introduces the stained glass Scarlet, and she kind of she is kind of honing her skills, right? So she she's she's been in this church for like three years, uh, basically living almost a hermit's life, except for her cat, Gummich. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, she she makes sure she reads stuff. She, she keeps her mind sharp by playing chess. Um, so we have we have uh, Munch, you know, citing Stenitz versus De, De Riviere, um, Alec Kine versus uh, Nim Zovich. So all these, these are real chess players and, and, and great rival, rivalries um, in chess. Uh, and Paul Morphy and Sturve Ritter Rubil. Uh, she also plays Bach on the organ. <laughs> I mean, which is, for any music musician knows, is, is incredibly difficult. <laughs> um, so <laughs> she's, a, she's a highly intelligent, highly cultured um, person. And, and actually, I really loved how, how Munch introduces all this into just a mere comic book. Um, and she has, oh, sorry, Doug Munch later on, we, we then flash to Stephen Grant and Marlene. And, uh, immediately there, Marlene, uh, uh, well, as mentioned at least, you know, she doesn't play Liszt or Mozart on the grand piano, but she, you know, she ends up playing The Beatles, which is a, another classic, mm. um, you know, uh, timeless, 
band and group. Uh, they also flick through, you know, the works of Alphonse Mucha, who's a, a Czech painter, I think, as well, an Art Nouveau painter. So there's a lot of stuff here. And, you know, I wonder if Munch is uh, himself uh, quite a, a cultured and, and a lover of the arts because uh, he's definitely made reference to a fair few things here. Uh, yeah, so you, you generally get Stained Glass Scarlet uh, coming across as a, a very intelligent and, and uh, she's not just a street thug, basically, which is, mm. yeah, which yeah. comes across. Um, Connor, uh, have we, what are we up to, three? Third, three. third aspect? Uh, look, I mean, my third aspect undertakes a, a, a big dive from this uh, rather sort of intelligent... Mm. Um, uh, discussion we're having and i'm just going to call moon knight the cheek machine in this issue because he has <laughs> some amazing lines uh just every time moon knight has to make a snarky comment about something i want to mm. pull up some examples as we're going through just absolutely love just I, I don't know we haven't really seen this in the morpheus issue we've seen before but uh you know i'm loving the stupid dial of uh not so fast, boys. This doorway is becoming quite a busy place, and she's not the only one who knows about your hideout. Hideout, but you are the only ones going on ice. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Looking he does get one. some good ones. He's he's a he's a smart talker, isn't he? He's not not the brooding dark character that we kind of see later on. Um, well, I think we yeah. I think that she takes the brooding dark role. Yes. This, this <laughs> and true. he gets to play. He gets yeah, to be playboy. Yes. She one-ups him on that one for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rebecca, what have you got for the third aspect? Um, I just thought, to me, it seemed that this was one of the ones that if I wanted to compare Moon Knight to Batman, <gasps> this is one of the ones <gasps> I'd pick. Not, no, no, no. <laughs> not, not because I'd be comparing him to Batman himself, but it read very much like the Batman Detective comics. Oh, okay. In that it focused in on, on the villain of the piece, or who will become a villain. Um, and he's just got this very adjunct role where he's kind of investigating what's going on. Gets involved a little bit. But um, even at the beginning, like even opening on Stephen and Marlene is very Bruce Wayne-y. So it's just like, I mean, so I'm not, I would never, because I actually don't think he's very like Batman at all. But uh, but it, it did remind me of like growing up reading the detective comics. Like where 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 he's doing that, it just had, and also some of it. I think what you're well, everything we're saying about the writing, the kind of noir aspect, has that kind of Batman in Gotham City vibe. Didn't Munch? Uh, he he wrote a lot of detective comics. Yeah, right? he did. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, I think he's cutting, <laughs> cutting his teeth here and then using it later on, or, or vice versa. It was it was one of the first Moonlight comics I've read in a long time, and and talking about going back and reading all things, where I've been like, huh. I do see a little bit <laughs> yeah. of, uh, of like, and, and again, none of it was to do with whether Moon Knight's like Batman, but it was to yeah. do with this whole world of Gotham, and it just seemed like you could have, I could have put Bruce Wayne and Batman into that issue, and I would have probably got almost the same out of it. Gosh, you're right. Apart um, from... And changed... Frenchy as Robin. Yeah, yeah. You know, like... The moon copter, uh, the bat copter. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. And, and it's and it's weird because I've never read a Moon Knight comic where I've so sort of came, come back and thought that and gone, oh, maybe like maybe there is a little bit, um, but but I I don't think it detracts from it. I just think they're very. It's it's more that this is Munch writing more that style. 
And, and it just so happens no, that this issue as well, like, you know, there's no mention of Conchu Right, I'm taking Egypt. it out. Exactly. There's yeah. none of the, you <laughs> yeah, know, true. there's only the briefest passing of, like, different personalities as well. Yeah. Like when she says, who are you going to come back to me as? Um, but you could just as easily see someone saying that to Bruce. Um, so it's just everything about it from, like, the, the sort of rich um, one of his personalities onwards. But it's just a little throwaway thought, not yeah. a... No, no, that's uh, you know? yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, my third one was uh, was more yeah about stained glass Scarlet's guilt as well, how that kind of drove the whole story. Um, mm-hmm. As you mentioned as well, like in the detective comics, it's it's focused on the the villain or the you know um, the adversary, uh, and yeah, this one was. Very much so, um, driven by stained glass scarlet, but, uh, it, it's kind of bookended at the beginning. Um, you, ha- you have her kind of, um, uh, kind of living a solitary life, uh, and then reflecting upon, uh, you know, the names you get of, of Mad Dog, Fascinera, um, you know, of, of her role there. And then at the end, uh, where we end up in the church again, uh, it's her guilt at, you know, inevitably shooting her son that she has to do because like you know if she doesn't shoot him he would he'd basically shoot her because uh, he he's a bit crazy uh, but yeah so I, I found her guilt um, yeah just the main driver for this for this and uh, it made for a very different um, uh, issue because yeah uh, Moon Knight was kind of secondary to this uh, and he, he pretty much uh, I don't know I, I won't say that he was kind of like the reader's the representative of the reader, but he uh, he kind of took us along, yeah. I mean, yeah. to to her in the end, uh, but it was very much a stained glass Scarlet uh, story at that. Um, um, yeah, I did um, love almost the motif of stained glass. You know, it almost seems like the stained glass itself is broken memories that you know pieces of our lives that you know almost when shine upon show us who we are. They're almost like the most key parts of who we are, and that point also about um sort of being a one-off issue i i do love it when they take that where they sort of take the idea of a character and introduce a different part of the world you know i, I bet someone could think of a hundred different examples but one of the most recent uh the current deathstroke run by christopher priest uh issue 11 chicago was an issue mm. like entirely about sort of just gun control with deathstroke sort of being around that and i think those issues are so memorable and why this just stood out. It, it just makes the world feel so filled, and you know, it, it lets these creators on, you know, a big two book, where you know, almost the sort of the stereotype is you get in, you have to you have to follow the rules, and they sort of explore their creative identity. Definitely. Um. And uh, Connor, for your last aspect, I see you you do tie it to a another reality. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, one thing that really stood out, um, quite touching at the time, I imagine, but kind of jarring now. Um, this issue that I ended up searching up, and I see you did as well, Ray, that uh, this issue was a week before the one-year anniversary of John Lennon's passing, and there's an entire page dedicated to um, uh, yeah, Marlene and uh, Stephen playing the piano and... Uh, Marlene goes to play a song uh, written by John Lennon, I imagine, and then they both sort of break out in tears remembering his passing. And, you know, reading it the first time through, I went, like, 
that's super melodramatic. <laughs> like, it yeah, always yeah. kind of made me laugh. But I, I, knowing the time, it, it, it's, it's quite touching, actually. And I just thought it was, uh, yeah. it was important to bring yeah. up just because, obviously, oh. Munch was probably quite... Uh, afflicted by that death, as we, uh, so, uh, plenty of us are with plenty of creators, I imagine, passing. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it must have rocked the world, um, and, and being just about a year after it, um, still fresh on a lot of people's minds, but yeah, akin to, I don't know, um, I guess uh, Princess Diana, I reckon, I remember that kind of, uh, everyone was massively shocked at that. Um, yeah, uh, so similar with John Lennon, such a such a massive creative figure. Um, or last year, there was a Bowie reference in Spider-Man. Oh, they managed oh, to get him very quickly oh, after did? he died. Yeah, oh, I mean, okay. obviously, it wasn't as big of a shock. I mean, it was, I guess it was a shock, but people knew. I mean, he wasn't shot like John Lennon. No, or yeah. Died in an accident like Die. But, um, yeah, yeah um, in Amazing Spider-Man, they sort of, I think they may have changed the song he was singing. Did it really quickly and, oh. and had him sing a Bowie song. It was very oh. sweet. And I think uh, other comics managed to get Prince references in last year as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Do love, so, love the pop references uh, in in comics. Yeah. They're pretty cool. I mean, Son of I the mean, Time, but it's great. It's good. You can kind of yeah. it's kind of like a catalogue of of you know the history. And it is a kind of healing thing for people and things people want to talk about. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it, you know, and it does date them, but not in a bad way. We all we no. can you know you could always tell which period of comics being written. <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah. Definitely. Very quickly. Yeah. So not just by uh, what pop culture they're referencing. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, Rebecca, how about your fourth point? I say it's a good one. I only have one the, of the yeah, points. The best That's yeah, the yeah. cat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I thought you'd hide. I thought you'd done it just for me. I was like, oh, there's a cat. <laughs> um, even though I have to say the Grey Gummidge name is a terrible name for a cat, <laughs> and I can't imagine anyone saying, oh, that would be a nice name for my cute cat. I actually thought it sounded more like a witch's familiar. Definitely. Because um, they're often called Grimalkin and things like that. They often have the grey in the know. title. Um, and and I, I didn't know if he'd done that to make it sound more like villainous. Like not have your cat called Fluffy or yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Sparkles. <laughs> Blackie, as Black. my neighbour's black cat is called, I think. <laughs> um, so but it's actually just a cute cat that the artist that like Sinkovich is obviously a lot of fun drawing because like there's even a panel that's just the cat watching. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, um, sw- um, swishing the tail, it just yeah, it's really cool. Uh, and it made yeah. me sit and think for a while about what pet Mark should have. I didn't Aww. come up with an answer. I don't ah, think he's responsible enough tortoise. to have a pet. I got- frankly, okay. uh, yeah, probably tortoises about all he could deal with. What, was that um, sorry? That, that the only pet he should really be allowed is a tortoise because it would at least hibernate <laughs> for a lot of the time. He, I don't think he's responsible enough to look after um, an animal. Something low maintenance, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very uh, low maintenance. Yeah, gummy. I mean, I just having a, a look. I can't find any anything on Google. I mean, I, I wonder if it's a little in joke from from Munch as well. Maybe you know, maybe the, the name of someone they know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, a little gummage. Hopefully, uh, there's there's a really cool issue of Moon Knight uh, with Doctor Strange in it. Um, oh, great issue! And it's in yeah, Volume One, and the cats actually play a big part in it. Um, I think I can't remember off the top of my head though. I think they they attack um, either Stephen Strange or Mark Spector, uh, but it's all to do with the whole Egyptian Egyptian thing. So um, uh, yeah, cats cats abound. Oh, here we uh, go. Um, yeah. 
Gumichin Friends is a book by Fritz Leiber. It's a collection of extraordinary oh. tales of catdom, told only right, as yeah. Fritz could tell. Doesn't them. make sense. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. More culture. <laughs> More culture. Jeez. Yeah. Man, it's coming out of his out of his eyes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's great stuff. Yeah. Um, look, my last uh, my last aspect was. Um, just basically the the big point about her killing her son at the end. Um, uh, it, what it does is it kind of sets her up as well um, for future. Uh, I see it as a big turning point for her, uh, and and it's kind of like her crossing the line and her turning fully into to stained glass Scarlet. Um, we don't see her for another ten issues until issue twenty four, mm. but um, yeah, it's a big thing. I mean, obviously killing. Your own flesh and blood uh, is is a big thing, and uh, and uh, yeah, just just his resentment towards towards her um, just makes it hurt all the more. So yeah, that was my last aspect basically. Um, what what did you guys so think? Ten issues is about the amount of time it takes you to turn bad. <laughs> the the universe. Yeah, she's uh okay. Exactly, she's she's just um maturing. Uh, <laughs> I'll bear that in mind. <laughs> Ten episodes um, from but... now, Rebecca will have killed someone. Oh, Pretty gosh. much. So we got to we got to be short sure, issue uh, episode seventeen. We've got to have you back in, Rebecca. Um, <laughs> see what see yeah. what's happened. <laughs> Sorry. What's um, uh, but what did you guys think of? Um, because we touched upon it briefly in the bare bones, but her her origin uh, with Vince. So she basically was a nun, right? Um, and she was very devout. Uh, or she wanted to be an actress or a nun, and yeah. and she ended up being a nun. So I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, does that mean that she's a good actor? Like, is that is that we are we implying that she's a good actor as well? Well, know. that's one of the things she says about her time as a nun, isn't it? Like she wanted to be a good nun, but she ended up being actually more of an actress and sort of playing the role of a nun. Yeah, which um, quite nice. is an interesting setup by Munch. Actually, I can't remember whether it is issue 24, a great issue. I'm going to force Ray to cover it with me because if you ever yeah. jump ahead to that, <laughs> uh, the Sinkovich art in that is when he hits his stride and what he does with those pencils is beyond anything at the time. I can assure you of that. But it was either that or another issue, I don't remember, but yeah, we flash back at one point to her time as a child where she also had a really unhappy life where she was um, beaten by her father, and from there she she basically killed him by lighting his bed with a cigarette, burning him to death, and then she went with her uncle and aunt, and I think this is almost set up by Munch for what he, I think, described ten issues later with the fact that she had such a past she ran from, but in the end, her being a nun was almost playing the part of someone more holy, a saint. And that she would become a vigilante from this point as well, you know. You know, her son calls her a saint, and in the end, she's she's the one who deals the killing blow. What a, um, wow. Yeah, so even looking, projecting ahead, uh, I take it back then, like her killing her son, she's already killed her dad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no turning. <laughs> <laughs> practice. Yeah, she's uh, it's it's just old news for her. Far out. Okay, okay. But yeah, it's really she can't catch a break, can she? My gosh, mm. like she no. had she had an abusive husband who was a criminal, Vince. Um, she killed her son. Her son was a insane criminal. 
Uh, she killed her dad. Oh gosh, what what a she's uh she's not had an easy life. That's for sure. She's no Kate Bishop. <laughs> no, well, and and her son kind of turns on her and yeah. just assumes he's gonna be bad because his dad was bad. Which oh. that that seemed to be the biggest leap for me. It's like my dad's in jail. How oh, did yeah. you think I was going to turn out? And it's like, well, actually, <laughs> even yeah, she says it in the comic. She's like, well, I'm your mom, and I'm yeah. not. Although <laughs> yeah. you know, she wasn't saying I've killed your granddad, but you know, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she kept that close to her chest. She didn't fair didn't play. That. Maybe maybe their son was doomed to turn out this way. Oh gosh, um, what a terrible, that's a that's a funny point, Connor. Bringing that up, more of a dark past. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh yeah, well, um, other than that, uh, I've just got a couple of notes. Um, so it's essentially, obviously, an origin story, Stained Glass Scarlet. Uh, as you mentioned, Connor, it's uh, like nearly a year to the day to uh, Lennon's assassination. Um, it's another, yet another villain who's insane. Like, all of Moon Knight's villains are insane. Um, uh, I never noticed <laughs> quite that. A lot of, to be honest, quite a lot of villains are generally. Oh it's yeah, just, I, mean, yeah in, I mean, I, th- I think the difference is in Moon Knight's case, so is our hero. A yeah, little bit. yeah, that's. Like, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, you, you I have mean, the diabolical villains that are, but I never noticed it before. But you know, Morpheus, um, driven insane yeah. because he can't go to sleep. Um, you got you know, Mad Dog and Stained Glass Scarlet. Um, essentially, both of them are, are crazy. Um, but yeah, you're right. I guess all villains are are crazy in their own way. Well, but quite a lot are, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just trying desperately to think of non-crazy villains. Um, I'm thinking Doctor Doom. He's he's pretty crazy, isn't he? <laughs> Thanos, yeah, crazy. <laughs> he's not normal. <laughs> he's not no, no, no exactly. <laughs> Megalomania, uh, maybe somewhere yeah. in his uh, yeah psychosis. Who, who's the uh, Iron Fist villains? Um, you got the Steel Serpent. He's it would probably be people. It'll be people like Kingpin who aren't insane. Yeah, yeah, just just evil. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. You, get, you get like just pure evil people. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does happen. It's just not that because you're in the superhero world. Yeah. The, some of the lot of the supervillains are going to be a little bit nuts. A bit, a bit, a bit. Uh, yeah, a bit crazy. And they're certainly mostly sociopaths or psychopaths or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah, it kind of takes the the gloss out of Bullseye and all that, doesn't it? They're like, you know. He's crazy. Well, who cares? They're all crazy, aren't they? So, <laughs> well, to be fair, to to go off and be a supervillain, like I said, you have to be a little bit of sociopathy or something. Yeah. Generally, yeah, true. In your makeup, yeah, it's for sure. Who's um? Yeah, I think the the issue between this um we covered issue twelve and this was issue fourteen. Issue thirteen had Daredevil and it had the Jester. Um, oh. so another another crazy one. As well, but he's more of a daredevil villain, so mm-hmm. we'll leave it at that. Um, the other the other notes I had was the moon copter looks just terrible. I don't know if you guys so liked ugly. it. I thought the, des- the design yeah, was, was god awful. I wonder who designed that. Um, uh, as you say, Connor, if Shinkovich hits his stride in twenty four, I'm hoping the moon copter is a lot better there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Moon Knight survives. A, he got shot, right? He got shot towards yeah. the end. Yeah. Is he? At this stage, he's not wearing Kevlar or any. Well, he never mentions it. Um, yet he manages to uh, to stay, you know, stay stay upright. And um, there's no there's no bandages or anything after that. Marlene gets him and off he goes. So yeah. a little little oversight there. Um, <laughs> I mentioned before the the sacks of cash. That's hilarious. I love um, the sacks of. I know, and and like it even appears at the end as well, next to the yeah <laughs> the jagged body of Mad Dog. <laughs> yeah, in between his legs. <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah, and coming to the cat. So, um, what did we think of this issue, issue guys? Crescent Dart ratings. Um, or Rebecca. Hmm, I really liked it. I'd probably give it another three and a half, four. Yeah, well, that's pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I mostly for the the language and mm. the atmosphere. Yeah, and the story was like, eh. but um, just everything <laughs> about it. I mean, it was, it was fine. Yeah, um, but the uh, just just that the the poetry of the writing and mm. the setting of a scene, the introduction of a new character like that is pretty stunning. Hmm. And it was a great, actually, it's a good issue to put side by side with what we had just reviewed before because that mm. was very art orientated. Uh, and this yeah. one, yeah, being very, very much uh, uh, the writer under the spotlight here, Doug Moon. So, yeah. How about you, Connor? Yes, I agree. Uh, agree entirely. Um, with, uh, with that, uh, the, yeah, you know, the story's just kind of a story, probably more. More just kind of what he had to fill out to get an uh, issue, but yeah, the prose here is absolutely amazing. I do like, you know, I do like the poetic nature and the poetic nature of stained glass Scarlet as a character and her dealing with a, you know, a broken life, a, a child, the tragic tales of mothers and son. I think it was, it was a really good issue on the writing terms. The art doesn't really get to shine, which uh, I'm really gonna get Ray into post issue 23 when I can talk about those. They're on my mind all the time, Sinkovich art. But yeah, I think I think with that, just kind of, I probably would give it three point five out of five. You know, it's it's this amazing poetic story, but you know, I feel like just misses a bit out on not having that art. Kind of an okay story, and the moon copter is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's got all yeah. gosh. Yeah, I mean, oh. like you'll read it, you'll you'll know the poet, like what we're talking about, how amazing that poetic writing is so yes my yeah. good friend ray yeah um i'm just i'm again just trying to think about the previous issue that we reviewed um which was the morpheus one um which was a couple of episodes ago i would give this one look oh yeah morpheus was was pretty cool and is very different because it's very much character and power based which is kind of all your all your comic book kind of uh you know, indulgences in one. This is this is more kind of cerebral um, in the fact that mm. you've got such a, um, uh, yeah, su- such a different character in Stained Glass Scarlet and she's just very, like, ordinary and real in the sense that she's not like a, a mutated, you know, um, nocturnal mm-hmm. monster. Uh, so it's a very different thing to put side by side. I'd give it, oh, th- yeah, three, three point... Seven five again, <laughs> crescent dots. <laughs> uh, three and three quarter moons. Yeah, um, I think that's. I think that's pretty fair. I, I did enjoy it as well. Um, and what you said, Rebecca, about um, older, older comics being a bit wordy or can be can be wordy. I I didn't mind it again with this. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, the writing was definitely a highlight for this. So, yeah, so definitely loonies uh, are worth checking out. Um, again, it's available uh, in numerous versions of hard copies, as well as definitely on Marvel Unlimited if you've got that. So, um, crack it open and have it have a read. Uh, okay, guys, I think we're wow. What time yeah. is it? It's about about two yeah. hours. Um, I two think hours. We're, not bad, guys. Not bad. Sorry. No, no, that's great. It's fantastic. So, uh, Rebecca, just gonna say, it's been absolute pleasure um, speaking to you the, the first time 
yeah, it's so cool after you know, after our, know. our, our it's time. It's been of, great. Yeah, like it's introduced. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course you're welcome yeah. anytime. I think actually I'm trying to get you pegged in for another <laughs> another one later on. Yeah, um, I think good. it was issue ten, right? It's a uh, yeah part I one of the, the Jewish one. Yeah, and that will be a panel by panel review. So. Um, if you're up for it, Rebecca, it'll be definitely. pretty good Let's to to analyse. Uh, Let's yeah. talk, yes. Yes. Um, and Connor, so next week, what do we have? Next week, we have the next issue of Lemire's Moon Knight, issue 8. Sure, it'll be just as mind-messery as the last. And we're going to be doing a cool issue, Heroes for High, issue 1, by Dan Abnett, great writer. I didn't even know this it's running so existed. so good. Oh, really? Yeah, you you re- read it? You read this one, Rebecca, yeah? So, of course I have. <laughs> it's Heroes for Hire. I didn't even yeah. know it existed till two weeks ago. Did when you Ray not was see like... Iron Fist is in it? Yeah, true, true. I should've, that should have been a dead giveaway. Uh, no, yeah, I think Connor and I, we haven't read it, so looking forward to reading it, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a good run. Is it, is it a, there oh, we go. a number one? It's easy to jump into, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It comes yes. straight off of Shadowland. So. Oh, okay, Ooh. okay. Cool, cool. Um, so that's yeah, that's about it. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, Thank you so very you, much. You can um, you can find us on email at moonnightpodcast at gmail dot com, or hit us up on our website at www.intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, we're also uh, quite present on on Facebook, so we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash itk moonnight, uh, and we also actually have a group where all our uh, much-beloved uh, loonies are uh, chatting away and commenting on facebook.com slash groups slash into the night. Uh, also on I, um, not iTunes. <laughs> also on Twitter <laughs> at ITKMoonNight. Uh, and we're also on Instagram and Tumblr and uh, a new addition, we are now on YouTube as well. So I actually got um, a comment from someone saying thank you for, for oh. um, posting up on YouTube. Yeah, it makes uh, a lot more easier listening. So I'm glad, uh, yeah, I'm glad that's that's working. Uh, I'd also just like to give a shout out to Mr. Moon Knight on Instagram. Um, his name's uh, Lewis, uh, and he's been great on the Facebook group as well. So we've been chatting away, uh, and he's got a fantastic Instagram account. So Mr. Moon Knight, um, look it up. Uh, and it's got plenty of uh, Moon Knight merchandise and Moon Knight comic book covers there, um, just posted up uh, in general. Uh, we're also just good. Um, you can hear us on all good podcast catches, so uh, just just type in Into the Night with a K, and uh, we should pop up. Uh, any last words, uh, Connor? Oh, yeah. Um, Rebecca, is there anywhere you want to plug? She's active mm-hmm. in our Facebook group. Anywhere? No, no, I'm good. I no, I think you already mentioned that I sometimes go on the Immortal Iron Fist podcast, so I'm sometimes on that. But no, no, I'm I'm quite happy just chuntering away in Facebook groups. So <laughs> excellent. Um, also, actually, just finally, uh, I wanted to shout out as well. We got a shout out from Serious Issues, which was pretty cool. There was a Q and A. It was a Patreon episode. And the the gracious hosts there, uh, Levins and Siobhan, uh gave us a bit of a shout out. So, if you're up for some really good or a really good comic book podcast, look no further than Serious Issues. They really they really know their stuff. Rebecca and Connor are are, are active admins there as well. Um, yeah, so please check it out. Yes, double yeah. thumbs up. Double double thumbs there we up. Go. Alrighty. Um, 
Okay, well, uh, that's it from us. Thank you so much again for listening. Uh, and uh, I guess I'll throw it to May Conchu protect us from the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Bye. Yay, bye. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.